So, do you like podcasts? Do you like movie podcasts? Yes! 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 If so, check out All Things Film, a collection of the best film, TV and movie podcasts on the internet. Groovy. Film Rave, it was only a pound. The podcast on Fire Network, Daily Grindhouse, Mass, Movieside UK, and of course, Film Sploitation. Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. What? Anyway, all the best podcasts, film and TV related, under one roof. That's all things film. Boys and girls, go back to your studies. Believe me, nothing in life is free. Well, oak and dread, Batman. All Things Film is 100% free, and you can find out more on iTunes, search All Things Film, or online, allthingsfilm.thefilmpodcast.co.uk. Oh, sorry, I think I must have pressed the wrong button. Is anyone left? Toto? I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. That was quick. Seems we were just talking about the start of Kirk Wong's career, and now we're at what is presently his last Hong Kong productions, before a short US stint, that is. And uh, we are talking there for two 1994 cop actioners to end it all. First, a team-up with actor-producer movie cop Danny Lee versus Anthony Wong's robber and girlfriend. And from the same year... Anthony Wong's LP-loving cop cooperates with the mainland police force to try and bring down a violent robber. My name is Kenny B, with me is Tom KW, and this is the Director Series 13 on Kirk Wong's Organized Crime and Trial Bureau and Rock and Roll Cop, and this is also the finale of our Kirk Wong coverage. So welcome to the finale. Welcome back to Kirk Wong's uh, coverage on our behalf. If you followed us, uh, then you realize it was a shorter series compared to our first series on Nam Night Show. But it's uh, exciting times. Uh, it's uh, been fun covering it, and now we're at the tail end of it. So uh, I'm Kenny B, as we said. And with me is Tom KW, who wants to say hi properly now. So hi, buddy. Hello. Hi, all. Hope you miss me. All, all excited to uh, end uh, to end the coverage here and. Uh, oh, I'm not excited to end it, Ken. I mean, we've been we've been enjoying it. We've had a lot of fun. We've had a lot of sad times. Really? We've had you know <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of arguments. Uh, you know, a lot of laughter. You know, a lot of tears. But we got there. Are you thinking of like the infernal affairs now? It was the worst of times. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Like when? <laughs> when do we have that on? <laughs> I mean, I'm always happy go lucky. Maybe you are like slicing your wrists in there in the background. Like, I'm not reviewing Gunman good enough. Like, I must cut myself to feel something. <laughs> Ken, Ken, I, I knew you'd forget our sweet, sweet times together. But it's all right. Let's get on with the show. I'm not gonna. I said, I said I wouldn't cry this episode. All right, I promised myself. So <laughs> try not to. Alright, let's just get on, let's get on. This, uh, this filmography has been short and sweet, my man, so 
I'm not, I'm not, you know, I'm not happy to kind of end it, but. The, dire- the director series isn't ending though, so we should just state that, right? that this show will this chapter, go on. The word saga, I think, is the, the, the <laughs> word these kids are using all these days on these games, so the Kirk Wonga director series saga has finished, but. The, uh, yeah, the series is coming to an end. We've got a few... The director uh, series, ooh, will continue. Ooh, ooh, right. Is that a hipster term? Like, I think is so. that what the hipsters use? Okay. So the hipsters all the time. Just every day, ooh, right. Don't right. miss them, ooh, uh, But uh, we'll uh, get into it and uh, talk of uh, what this episode contains. But first, some uh, brief contact information. This is the director series on the Podcast on Fire Network website, podcastonfire.com. This show, all the other shows and the bonus episodes are located there. If you have some feedback and want to send us any uh, any uh, kind of uh, comments or review or um, something in general, you know, maybe maybe we need some Viagra peers. I don't know. Some of us are old. Send them to podcastonfire at googlemail.com. We are on Facebook. Facebook.com forward slash POF network is the page where you can like us and uh, see general interaction there and show updates. And meet singletons of the world. What's that? Meet singletons of the world. Well, well, that's all over the Facebook thing, really. I I don't know what you get in your, like, uh, uh, ad feed on on Facebook because... um, uh, I, I I get that dating app all the time called uh, Sosk Z O Z O O S K Z O S K Sosk Sosk, which is apparently a dating app. I, I've I've never ventured into it because I'm uh, I'm I'm a grumpy bastard and I want to be left alone. <laughs> like, leave me alone that's one way of putting it Ken that's good, yeah, that's good. So, so there you go so you'll, you'll see that surrounding our Facebook page and uh, even uh, even after you click uh, click and like it uh, it will still be there uh, but uh, we also have our discussion group where the main uh, interaction goes on uh, you can reach that uh, via the link on the page I just said or type in podcast on fire network in the Facebook search box and uh, that will get to the group uh, request to be added and we'll talk uh, we'll talk the, our Respective uh, uh, dating progress or lack of. <laughs> we'll talk money transactions. <laughs> uh, so also Twitter, twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire. Watch our tweet, follow us, and all of that. So goodreviews.com is my page. I review the, the majority of uh, Kirk Wong's movies in either quick take form or in some slightly larger review form. And I do little video reviews at sleazykvideo.com and I tweet at twitter.com forward slash so good reviews. The director series is on iTunes, so if you subscribe to podcasts, um, you can find us there. If you like us, please leave a um, star rating. That only takes a click. Uh, even if you dislike us, leave an honest rating. And if you have a minute or two left over, do put a string a sentence or two together if you like the show or dislike the show you know it's not hard and it would help us we would be so appreciative if you actually took the time to write a little bit little something on the show and submit to itunes so uh, and, and if to- not sentences random words will do as long as they're positive words mm-hmm. just sep- separate them with commas and leave nine exclamation marks at the end I'm, I'm happy with that. That's maybe uh, maybe iTunes will approve that, so it'll have to go through <laughs> through iTunes as well. Uh, stream us on Stitcher if you don't like downloading your podcasts to your device. Do that online, but the application is also available for your iPhone, iPad, or Android. And once you're in Stitcher, type in the director series to find the latest shows. But uh, you also have the option to add us to your favorites. So thank you very much. Uh, Vcinemashow.com is a big old review archive for many writers, including you, Tom. Do you, do you want to say anything else about it? I, I have got writings there, 
writings of the words that, that you have I... actually written, not a computer. Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> exterminate Ken, exterminate Ken, he's on to us. I've got uh, Johnny Five uh, typing away in the corner <laughs> as, as we speak. <laughs> Whoa! I'm amazed that you're puss because you're only 12 years old. You should know. You should know short circuits. You fucker. <laughs> Uh, I, I had Short Circuit 2 on constant rotation when I was younger. I like nice. I like that movie. You know, Michael McKean and uh, and uh, you know uh, that robot was charming. And I still can't believe the Indian Doctor is played by a white man. Did you know that? You're kidding. I've just blown. Your I mean, mind. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, I, you can't. I blew, I blew my mind recently, and I've just I mean, blown yours. I mean, you. I, I don't know this, so it might be true. <laughs> it might you. You might be fucking with me. Are you? Are you? Are you for real? Brother, I'm not. I'm not fucking with you right now. Wow. I'm not fucking with you, man. Just get on that IMDb and check that out. I mean, I, I'm secure in myself enough that I I don't mind being um, made a fool out of. But uh, if that was true, that would put a different spin on things. <laughs> yeah, man. He's he's a yeah yeah. My dude. Uh, what else was he in? Can't, I think he's in. I remember seeing him with friends at one point, and then and then uh, made the connection. Like, doesn't that dude look like? And then checked it on, and yeah, my mind was blown. I literally shit in my pants a, a bit in excitement and just fabaglastery. <laughs> if, if, that, if that's the word, fabaglastery. It's the same guy in one and two. Was there a different? Yes, yeah, same dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Wow. <laughs> I love the tangents we got. We haven't even started the show yet. I, mean, I can say this. Um, much about the short circuit too. It's uh, one of the most harrowing fucking movies you'll ever see when oh, they man. smash him to pieces at the end. Yeah, yeah, when he gets beat up, bleeding and what have you. That's the, oh, just for kids. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> it's nineteen. <laughs> short circuit two, uncut. <laughs> you know, he, he does go on a rampage in that one, essentially. Yeah, so. yeah. When he gets his, his moa, he gets the he gets the Kenny haircut in that, he, he in does, that one. Oh <laughs> right, yeah. Uh, so there you go. Uh, rundown of uh, what is going to happen in this final episode of the Kirk One coverage, and um, I, I say that because uh, we have different segments and. Uh, if you want to skip ahead to any segments, you'll you'll know what they are now. But also check the show post and the iTunes uh, podcast description for actual running times of when we talk of each respective segment that I'm going to say what they are right about now. Organized Crime and Tribe Bureau is the first movie of the coverage. And uh, we'll highlight uh, actress uh, Cecilia Yip's career first with a little biography. And then the main review discussion of Organized Crime and Tribe Bureau will take place. After that, we'll take a little bit of a break and we wrap up the Kirk Wong coverage uh, by talking of uh, Anthony Wong's uh, career and lastly, the review slash discussion of Rock and Roll Cop. And as a cap to the show also, we will also summarize uh, and give a view of Kirk Wong's career now that we've done done it all. So uh, we'll, we'll give a little summary and what have you. And we'll also announce the next subject for the director series. So stick around and if you want to find out what that is. Exciting. Well, you know already. So you're like, uh, you're, you're <laughs> not on the edge of your seat. You know already what the next subject is. So. Oh, yeah. I do. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm privileged. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Number inside one. info oh yeah <laughs> but uh, that's all later let's uh, start uh, wrapping in this 
whole thing up by talking of Organized Crime and Triad Bureau, or OCTB, from 1994. And plot from my review of the film, a hunt for a dangerous gang of rob- robbers led by Tung, played by Anthony Wong, with his mistress Cindy, Cecilia Yip by side, leads the Organized Crime and Triad Bureau to Chengchao Island, outside of Hong Kong. In order to cut off all escape routes, Inspector Lee, played by Danny Lee, isolates the island, which eventually leads to the capture of Tung. However, he is cunning, and his gang is not about to give up on him, including the mistress. Yeah. And the mistress. Mistress, yeah. (laughs) And she is played by the lovely Cecilia Yip. And uh, she's one of those... I call very brave game and ageless actresses. So, I mean, there's a class surrounding this gorgeous uh, woman, and uh, the class meant she was not above like taking roles in category three movies, uh, not nude roles, but uh, she she gladly took roles in that and fresher beef there as well. So you gotta respect her. Going where the work is, and Bay Logan said about her in the Hong Kong 1941 audio commentary, uh, uh, that she had a luminous, or has a luminous quality and intelligence present in her acting and Mm. choices. And uh, I can very much agree on that. Uh, She was a part-time model. She got noticed by a casting director um, uh, when she was so young and dropped out of school to be in movies, thinking it might be a one-summer type of deal. Uh, but she stayed on. The career took off, and there's tons of highlights with Cecilia, ranging from her early appearance in Terry Tong's classic new wave thriller, Coolie Killer, from 1982, starring uh, Charlie Chin. She's also in the war drama, Hong Kong 1941, as I mentioned, alongside a, uh, a young but very like skilled movie star already in the form of uh, Chai Fat. And Alex Mann is fantastic in the movie as well. Uh, she's obviously in Organized Crime and Trial Bureau, as we are discussing here. Uh, she plays this devoted gun-toting girlfriend of Anthony Wong's villain. And even a little bit later in her career, I love her in the Joe Howe-directed Phantom of Snake. That actually is a modern-day take on the uh, old story uh, that Choi Hak uh, depicted in Green Snake. It's an old folk tale. It's even been a Japanese uh, animated movie based on that folk tale. Like the first uh, anime ever in Japan was based on this uh, this uh, white snake. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I do know this. I'm bl- blanking on that. I'm name. blanking on the name as well. Yeah, but I, I do know about this. Yeah, very Disney-esque that the early um, yeah. early anime. There's, uh, you know, and I'm not saying that to be be funny, but there's uh, talking animals and singing numbers and mm. what have you. But a very distinctly Chinese feel because they are true to the source material, if you will. So Phantom of Snake is this modern-day retelling, very low-budget, but it's it's wonderful. Uh, and the sight of Cecilia Yip uh, in uh, human form, walking down the streets of Hong Kong in like a slivering, like a snake fashion, is just genius. Like, so could have been so wrong and so hokey, but uh, she and I think Jade Lung, Lung is the other snake, so to say, in that one. Uh, Joe Howe is not an accomplished or... Uh, praise director for good reason but uh, that one Phantom of Snake is uh, is uh, something else a little bit of a cult favorite uh, with those who encounter it uh, but um, mm. not a not a widely seen film uh, Cecilia is also a TV actress so she has received multiple accolades for her work on the likes of The Heaven's Sword and Dragon Saber and Men Don't Cry and she also won a Best Actress Award on the film This Thing Called Love from 1991 where she co-starred against Tony Leung Garfai 
uh, I've seen it. Well-performed and mature relationship drama from uh, uh, the director Lee Chi Nai, who directed Lost and Found uh, with uh, Kelly Chen, Takeshi Kaneshiro, and Michael Wong. Very good movie in its own right. Um, sing sound drama, this, uh, this thing called Love as well, so you can hear Cecilia's voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is as well. No, it isn't. It's not a sing sound drama, but uh, uh, organized crime and trial bureau, but I think she dubbed her herself. Uh, other awards, including an early one in her career, she won Best Actress for her work in Alfred Jung's Let's Make Love in 1983. I think it's a Shaw Brothers comedy, if I'm not mistaken, but uh, regardless, um, that was a, an accolade early on. She also won the, the Best Supporting Actress Award in Hong Kong in Jake, for her performance in Jacob Jung's Beyond the Sunset in 1989. And some of her latest work includes reuniting with Jacob Chung in the 2008 movie Ticket, mm. which I'm not seeing. I like the, I'm, I'm, I'm a fan of Jacob Chung's smaller movies. The latest one I've seen, though, was his uh, big movie, uh, A Battle of Wits. And, uh, you know, me not being a great big fan of those kind of period movies, that was all right. Uh, it, it was not what I expected, to be honest. It was a lot more grounded, but um, I w- it was casual fun. Still. Yeah, was that the one that had the name change that was quite appalling, Battle of Wits? Battle of the Warriors. Battle of the Warriors, that's what I thought. Yeah, because it's quite different than most of the kind of uh, war dramas, the kind of the, you know, the trendy kind of war, war dramas. It's it is. It is. Yeah. It, it's okay, but uh, nothing I'd uh, return to um, at any time. Uh, any spontaneous thoughts on Cecilia? Yeah, the, the, another actress. Yeah, I do, yeah! Yeah! Another actress, you know, my favourite film obviously is Avenging Fist with that. Um, she plays Aunt Wing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Did, did, did you play that. a famous character from? Uh, nah, that? she's the mom in it. I'm sure she's 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 the mom in it, if I remember correctly. Uh, but yeah, she's good. She's um, role is, is is swordsman, uh, with 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 Sam Hoy. Um, that's you know the one with like the the millions of directors on. Um, that I really enjoy her. Yeah, everyone directs that. I think Choi Ha King Hu. King Hu uh, did like. A shot or two in that. Shot. Yeah, he's so uh, everyone. Everyone <laughs> kind of got their roar in in, in that one. So Can I direct really, a little that. bit, guys. <laughs> Can you go, go, of course. You know, cameras. Yeah, yeah go on, go. On. Cecilia, <laughs> do you want to direct this shot? Yeah, yeah, why not? <laughs> um, and yeah, she's in uh, she's in Peace Hotel as well, isn't she? With uh, with with Chow, yeah, which which another she's one that gets, she gets slapped around so much yeah, in that movie. It's silly. It's silly yeah. how much uh, Chow fat slaps her around in that movie. <laughs> She gets being with this one in that one, yeah. Um, it's even a montage of slaps in that movie. Slaps. <laughs> <laughs> that's how far <laughs> it goes, yeah. Like, 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 like why can't I? Like, take it down. So, it's really slow, yeah. There's neon lights in the background. Someone, you can see the the, the, the movement of the hand, the, the, the whizzing through the air, the whizzing through the air, like, everything. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that's, that's another one I like. And yeah, as you said, one you met Hong Kong Night for one, which you uh, which you already mentioned as well. So. She's good, yeah, another one just shows up in just, just lots and lots of really, really good stuff yeah, in small roles or big roles. So that's Cecilia, and let's talk of uh, OCTB, Organised Crime and Tri... Yeah, with OCTB, yeah, you know me. Get out with OCTB, yeah, you know me. What? What? Is that not the song? It's not appropriate for this show. It's not appropriate for any any show, so not on this network. Okay. Organized Crime and Tribura, I'd like a short bite-sized opinion first, Tom. Oh man, Organized Crime and Tribura, along with Crime, uh, along with Crime Story, Kurt Wong's slickest and, and most ambitious work up to this point in his filmography for Defo. Right on. Even uh, surpassing uh, Gunman in your in your mind. I mean, quality-wise, very close, but I think this. 
in terms of kind of how coherent and how kind of fluid this is, I think it takes the biscuits slightly. But it's very close. It's neck and neck. Yeah, you kind of get pumped up and excited watching OCTB. I mean, that's the main compliment here. It's a damn fine action thriller. Uh, damn fine entertaining action thriller with a terrific Danny Lee at the center of it all. Oh, man, no doubt. I think this is Danny Lee's best performance. I mean, I mean, best film, you know, debatable. He's been in so many kind of in this role, but he's so confident and so naturalistic here. I mean, having played this role for so long, Mm-hmm. That it just it just fits him like a good. He gets a bit of emotional backstory, but the focus is more on him just being fucking relentless, you know, in his job yeah. and just being good at it. It's certainly not a uh, rethread. I think uh, of his uh, earlier roles. I think uh, mm-hmm. this one is uh, him evolving, and a lot of people are evolving in this movie, inclu- including uh, Kirk. Yeah. It, when I first watched this ages ago, and knowing crime story. And I posed this question last episode uh, when we talked about Crime Story because you think like, okay, if a director like Kirk Wong merges with a superstar that's also a filmmaker, what kind of movie are you going to get? In that case, we got a Kirk Wong movie with Jackie Chan in it. So yep. what happens here when it's a magnum production, Danny Lee's production house, Lee. yep. when you get uh, him actually being the producer as well and lead, is there a danger of this not being Kirk's but instead Danny's film? And the answer is, there's no danger. The mix of Kirk and Danny works extremely well here, and yeah. it's a Danny Lee vehicle, but a Kirk Wong film. It almost feels like it will be so easy to make because it can combine. Not you know saying that as to, to you know undermining the, the you know the work put into the film, but just because they're, they're they're from very kind of similar filmmaking backgrounds, and for them to come together, it seems like it would just be so you know fluid and just so easy to make the film because they've sure. both got that expertise in that area, and you can see it on screen. It's just it's just so kind of like you know natural. It just just comes off so easy. It's, it's great. And and it would have been sufficient if, in a way um, if it had been a lesser film because I like pretty much any time Danny Lee gathers his. A stable of cop actors and Me do too. and uh, I mean uh, the likes of Parkman Wong is here who's also worked behind the scenes Eric K which is uh, uh, he's in Doctor Lam and Untold Story in that one they made him out to be and it's probably true uh, more of an American Chinese because he uses a lot of English on the dubbed soundtrack not so much here but um, uh, and uh, Fancy Wong even at this time were part of the. OCTB gang, if you will, before yeah. uh, Fancy Wong had found his uh, footing as a lead um, later on in his career. We're, they made a bunch of movies together, but not a lot of them has been have been seen because Magnum Productions also made a lot of direct-to-video productions. Mm-hmm. Um, exploitation movies. There's a movie called Portrait of a Serial Rapist. Uh, but a lot of them are not subtitled because of that fact. Um, yeah, because they went straight to video, if you will. But uh, so uh, that team has been in um, a number of movies. Um, uh, not only these, uh, uh, you know, Untold Story, this, or even the movie Twist that Danny Lee directed. Uh, mm. But, but I, I like the comforting feeling of these together, and I, I'm, I'm pretty sure this is one of the finest ones for them actually, like gathered together as a group. Because the key thing here is to feature Danny Lee as a Hero that his men stand by. And it's kick-ass because they do stand by him. They look up to him despite him not being the highest ranked cop in the entire uh, in the entire cop industry. <laughs> but, industry. You know, <laughs> but, but you know what I mean? They, 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 you kind of get pumped up because there's heroic yeah. music on the soundtrack. And when oh, they man. suit up and they're ready to go and they all line up and walk 
along the streets of Chen Chao Island in a widescreen frame. That's rather cool, actually. Like, yeah. It's good, man. I like how there's no fucking around with it. It just gets straight into kind of the main, the main meat of the plot. Like, which, there's not even any kind of intro. It's just, it's just kind of straight into the kind of the, the case that is this film. Yeah. Uh, it's great. And the, the, the thing is, it's different. Is that I just think that unexpectedly, um, I knew this time going in because I'd seen it before. But I think for for newcomers, it's 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 like almost like a character study for the first kind of hour of the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, on in terms of you know Anthony Wong's side, and it's in the police procedure, police procedural element on Danny Lee's side. So it's kind of a weird match. You get these kind of emotional kind of moments exploring the relationship between um, Anthony Wong, uh, Ho, and uh, Cindy, Cecilia Yip's, Yip's character, and then the police procedural element, and then it all kind of comes together for the last half an hour into this kind of like this, you know, this, this exciting kind of really fast-paced uh, action element to it. And it's, it's crazy how, how much it kind of... It works, like, especially you were saying with the soundtrack, that kind of like that pounding synthesizer score. Mm. Uh, it just melds with the action so well for the finale. It lifts up the intensity kind of considerably. It's, it's amazing. Uh, really, really well done. It, it is actually. It has some notable depth and workable depth indeed. Uh, and I, I would have kind of been fine if it had been uh, shallow as well because I, yeah. I, th- I think it would have been damn fine action entertainment because this is such a... As designed... And what I mean by that in this case is as um, as shot as uh, the cinematography goes. It is a very fast-moving movie. Uh, Kirk definitely, maybe it's been evident before, but I notice it a lot more this time. Kirk's camera is driving this movie very well. It's constantly moving, but not uh, shaking. It's moving, but not shaking. So it's and that's, it, that's that's how you do it, filmmakers. That's yes. that's how you do it. <laughs> it's it's kind of a, I'm not talking necessarily just the action scenes, obviously, but kind of the scenes in the OCTBHQ where just Kirk moves with the action that yeah. way and makes us kind of feel like it is a ride and it will move quite quick, even though it has uh, quiet moments. Uh, uh, as the movie goes on, you know, and it, it um, I can't find a single piece of uh, fat on this movie. It's a very like mm. uh, uh, lean, lean, very lean indeed, uh, and it has time for that character drama without it uh, slowing down, uh, slowing down it um, all. But uh, let's uh, before we go on, some minor highlights in like the opening action scenes. Yeah. Just just minor stuff like the raid on the apartment that Anthony Wong and his henchman and Cecilia Yip's character has been in. He sets up this booby trap with, with a grenade, and uh, Danny Lee, being the awesome cop that he is, manages to catch that and uh, put the pin back in uh, later on. That small moment m- makes you go, ooh, <laughs> you know, it's no. genuinely exciting. Like, yeah. oh my god, oh no, oh yes, he's fine. Yeah, and he's not even Daniel. He's not even fretting about it. He just kind of grabs it, holds it, and it's just like the guy suck, doesn't care. Suck. He's just what's going on? <laughs> yeah, I got a grenade in my hand. <laughs> like, it's, just, it's like it's awesome. It's awesome. And uh, the slide down a muddy, rocky hill in only a bathrobe. I don't envy that stuntman who did that. Nope, not at all. And to get something that that kind of that interesting, kind of as soon as the film starts, it's just like. What a slam wham way to, way to kind of you know start the film up with that. It's really good, and it obviously echoed in the longest night in very similar kind of fashion with the kind of the 
the camera kind of moving with the actors kind of as they're rolling down the hill. It's a very frantic kind of sliding shooting scene. It's, it's echoed uh, in it's echoed in Rock and Roll Cop as well. It's a similar scene. When yeah, yeah there is you when they're rolling down. <laughs> yeah, there is. Yeah, of course, of course. So it's very you know it's it's uh, it's 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 a really really well done scene. And and you you kind of see elements if you want to be lazy about it that uh, this is a slow motion gunplay scene. So, oh boy, is Kirk Wong doing John Woo? No, he isn't. And but there's no fault or like a sign of weaknesses to approach a John Woo kind of style, you know. And uh, it's not a um, it's as I said not a weakness. And ultimately, because it isn't a big old John Woo copy as a movie as a whole, uh, OCTB extends Kirk Wong more rather yeah. than him uh, you know reverting into a shell yeah. where he can only emulate someone else you know so yeah i'd agree would you, would we think would we say that would we say that ringo lamb almost straddles the fence between john Wu and kirk wong if john's on one side kirk's on the other would we say ringo Lamb kind of sits in the middle i, I suppose i mean i've 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 compared in the past, um, uh, Kirk Wong being closer to Ringo Lamb, but if you place them all uh, side by side, I think uh, Ringo's just uh, has his brutal streak, and Kirk mm. Wong isn't as uh, brutal in that regard. I think, yeah. Mm. But 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 they all they all do uh, they all do their thing very efficiently. So, yeah. uh, I mean, you can even slot in uh, almost one time director Johnny Mac in that camp because he he directed Long Arm of the Law. Yeah, he he, he could be somewhere around the kind of Kurt Wong. <laughs> Uh, you know, Ringo but he, but he never directed again. He left. He left that to Michael, who, 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 who did a good job as well. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Max. So, uh, but back to Danny Lee. I mean, talk of like after so many years, like a, a good decade on, being it's so admirable to see him very much in control of his on screen present pre- presence. And it's easy also to forget after so many seemingly similar vehicles that he's a mm-hmm. good actor. Uh, it doesn't take a drama to get that reconfirmed that he's a good actor. I think OCTB is his, like, the biggest case for, like, if you want to see him in a very commercial, entertaining cop role that he's known for, check this out. But you can also see the good actor in there, and even excellent actor in there. Yep, agree. And he doesn't even have to do a lot to kind of prove that he's an excellent actor. It's more just kind of the way he fits the character. It's just, it's not any kind of melodrama or, or kind of pushing it to the limit it's more just kind of being very very good at what he's doing in, in that role silent moments is his kind of uh, 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 bread, and, bread and butter in this one indeed do you have any opinion as such on uh, Danny Lee's uh, own opinion in terms of how you uh, deal with suspects in these kind of movies because uh, the interrogation is uh, kind of harsh in this one kind of brutal yeah kind of kind of brutal uh they go, they go, they they go there. You know the very kind of length of uh, the kind of the uh, you know they go as as far as they can in terms of kind of you know trying to get this information from these suspects, but uh... without without themselves laying hands on them. You know that's yeah. the kind of uh, sadistic trick. Here. Clever bit, yeah, yeah. The clever bit. One of the best things where they try to hide it all when the uh, the guy who works for the kind of the, the agency. You know, he kind of comes in, tries to kind of see. Catch them in the act of doing it. I love the kind of clean up they have when they're, they're kind of like, is it, um, including uh, Fancy Wong pissing on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> which is, which is really, but is it, is it, um, is it, uh, Pac-Man, Pac-Man who does the, uh, I think he's kind of like, is he pretending that the, 
the whiskey's kind of like aftershave. He's kind of pouring the whiskey. <laughs> yeah, Parkman. Uh, yeah, yeah, Parkman puts on aftershave and like uh, yeah. because they have a uh, they have a smell in the room that they've uh, soaked a towel in and then put around the suspect. So. Yeah. Uh, that's not easy to clean out. So yes, they use that, and Fancy Wong pisses on the floor and says, "I've got a problem, sir. I can't help it." <laughs> <laughs> wow! Oh god, it's so funny. I, I like uh, Ricky Yi as this. In, uh, he's the one from Internal Affairs. Uh, just uh, he's after you know, obviously Danny Lee and his team. You know, he's, he's like a barking dog throughout the movie, like. <laughs> Always walking in with his team and like, rah, 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 I'm gonna get you. Rah, 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 rah. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his, uh, he gets his come up and so, but at, at the end, like he gets, uh, he gets it pushed back to him a bit, like. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, 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 and obviously, like, the, I'm, uh, I, I'm not like want to put a judgment on Danny Lee. I mean, this is his opinion that suspects ruffians should be treated rough. Uh, I mean, he directed the movie Twist, and and that contains a lot. Of this stuff, and even even more of this stuff in the category freeway, uh, um, almost they shove a um, hose up Simon Yam's ass in that movie and turns on the water, and 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 that's this team, that's Parkman Wong, Michael Chow is in there and what have you, just to get information out of him, and um, so uh, Danny definitely sides on uh, with uh, real life cops, I suppose that. Uh, Ruffians uh, deserve a rough treatment if we're going to get some information about this this. Uh, you know, unlawful characters. We gotta push the limits and uh, beat the shit out of them, but not putting laying laying a hand on them because they don't even do like the hammer against the phone book against the chest uh, thing in this movie. That that's that that's standard stuff from other movies. This one, yeah. what is it? They they literally like waterboard one person oh, almost. Right. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. They they, they, they they put a straw up his nose and then. Uh, like uh, I don't know, was it alcohol? That's that, the bit uh, when they do. Yeah, that's the thing I was talking about with 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 uh, with Portman. The, the bit when it, I think the alcohol they're pouring, they're, they're blowing the alcohol up his nose, and mm. I think he pretends that it's the whiskey. And I think he pretends that the whiskey is aftershave, or, right, or maybe he puts aftershave. I think that's that that scene, but that was a scene that kind of I, just, I found really comical. Like obviously it was it was horrible, but then it was comical. So it was weird how Kirk he kind of mixes it up kind of like that that, that emotion there it just goes from kind of really kind of almost horrific like jeez the tween these guys were up to quite funny them trying to kind of cover it up do you have a problem with this? with the well, with the, the the violence and the yeah, no, yeah no, the interrogation no, not, not really I mean I think I think uh, you could argue that it goes a bit too and kind of into you know hard boiled mode I don't mean you know the film I mean kind of that that kind of that tone, but that kind of these hardball cops and we do anything to you know, we kick these these you know kick these criminals' asses to get any any information we can out of them. It's yeah, I, I, no, I, I think it kind of stays in the boundary. There was nothing there I thought like God, you know, they're not you know they're kind of you know, chopping the knobs off or you know <laughs> you know throwing them out windows and stuff like that. It wasn't it wasn't you know, anything kind of really horrifically bad. It was just kind of you know they were beating them up trying to get information out of them. So it stayed within the realms of kind of tasteful for me. Don't know about you. Whether you wanted to be. I more mean, I, I, I have no. Uh, no I, I Drop no, their yeah. dicks off. <laughs> <laughs> no, in a category, in a category three movie, I would have wished for that, but uh, no, I have no real problems with it. I'm, I, I can separate uh, reality and uh, and uh, I, I realize also that this goes on in the world. It's not, uh, it's not for kicks. He's doing this. It's not like we get raging bonus watching these, uh, these people get roughed up. You know. It's not torture, really, is it? As, as in, it's pushing them for information it, it it's you know it's not exploitative it, it's not 
you know, it, it, it is there for a purpose because it's it's a nice standard. So that for me is fine. I just have a problem with stuff that's that's exploitative, but but not fun. Mm-hmm. So if it's almost like if you if you can have if they're hand in hand, then you know you 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 write bang on there. If it's exploitative without being fun, then I have a problem with it almost. Mm-hmm. I don't know what that says about me, but that's our like kind of almost you know violence in movies. It has to be. It has to fit. It can't be. You know, a certain tone and not and not fixed, and that's when it starts to bore me. But here, it's 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 all in it's all in good fun. It's all in good. You know, it's it's in good taste. It's 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 fine. It's there for a reason. You should check out Twist, therefore, because uh, that's the one where he goes. Uh, you know, ape shit. <laughs> definitely goes ape shit. Uh, it, it is actually a good, a pretty good movie. Um, uh, Sammy Yam is fun in it and whatever, but uh, it, it definitely um, uses the rating for to add another layer of police interrogation. <laughs> yeah, and it's fine as, yeah, as long as it's kind of you know it's energetic and it's fun. It's it's fine. It's kind like of it's... dark. It's kind of dark. Yeah, but honest, we could but... do a bit of darkness. Like I, I don't mind. I don't mind. Yeah, I don't mind either. It's, you know, a bit darkness is fine. It's just it's how you do it. It doesn't matter whether it's dark or light. It's just kind of how you do. It. It's hard to put your finger on it. Like it's hard to kind of what you have to exactly do, but. It's kind of like you have to, you know, a certain way of doing it where it kind of comes off as, as one way where, you know, it can come off in kind of a very boring and kind of exploitative way or another. So it's difficult. It's a thin line, man. It's a thin line. So when, when you know, people get it right, when filmmakers get it right, it's, um, it's you know, kudos, kudos to them. So if we move over to Anthony Wong, uh, it's a kind of story between they all, before they all merge, as uh, you said, Tom. Uh, it's, uh, it has a very much workable depth because, uh, Tong here, Anthony Wong's, uh, you know, ruthless robber is, uh, you know, he's, he's got his mistress and therefore he's, uh, he beds uh, other women in the movie as well and think, uh, think nothing of it. But here's the thing when they're on the, on the run, that's when Tong and Cecilia Yips, Cindy, connect more firmly because she is in deep emotionally he is not initially and uh, i like the way the kirk depicts them their quiet moments together as they are outlaws you know and nothing of this on paper reeks of opportunity uh but having anthony there being uh definitely being inspired to be there you know it's not just mm. a paycheck uh, to feed family uh, and Cecilia always bringing it as far as I'm concerned it uh, definitely is a very welcome piece of depth to them they, they yeah. don't become sympathetic and definitely not Anthony Wong he has his warmth but he's pretty ruthless as well I mean uh, yeah. at one point Danny Lee talks of his prior crimes and I think he says that this guy you cut his dick off mm. you know mm. <laughs> why did you do that like, oh, I don't yeah know. <laughs> it's, not, it's definitely they're definitely not trying to kind of ring you know, sympathy out of, out of Anthony. Well, no. I do like the fact that their relationship, um, him and uh, Celia's character, it's very much, it feels very real. It doesn't just take the angle of, you know, they, they're attracted to each other. It takes the angle of kind of him almost being very fatherly towards her mm-hmm. when something happened to her and their love kind of growing out of that, which I think it, it's a really interesting angle. Um, a very realistic kind of angle, a very kind of different angle than just the kind of oh they love each other, just you know they're in love. It's yeah. it it makes kind of what happens you know towards the back end, and it makes kind of all these things that happen to them more emotional. It being like that, and kind of knowing the backstory of them, which again I think that first hour is really good at just really kind of highlighting the uh, relationship between them both. Yeah, and obviously got that wonderful scene where they they um. 
uh, after having run from the police uh, at uh, at the island for a day, they finally get to rest and they uh, find some food and also drink uh, rainwater from underneath mm-hmm. this top, which mm-hmm. is very romantic. Uh, you know, in in deck, I mean, it is romantic as depicted, and it's uh, their romantic moment together, uh, their piece of calm together, and uh, it's it's very nice. It's very it's actually very nice. Uh, it doesn't st- make the movie stray from its uh, ultimate. Uh, you know, target and goal and what have you, being be, being a cops and robber movie. Uh, it, uh, it it's welcome to have it in there. Yeah, I agree, and it's it's weird that that doesn't feel like that for the first hour when it feels like maybe it's wasting time when it should be kind of concentrating on the plot and the chase. But it's weird how it, it balances that very well, like kind of the side of Danny Lee and then the, the then the kind of the side of Anthony one where it is it's just kind of more of a slow character study between them both and the problems they're facing and the kind of happiness that they're both kind of experiencing. It, you know, both sides of the coin. It's 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 very commendable for for Kirk to kind of balance it so well. Uh, back uh, a little bit to this being a procedural I mean that makes this movie very very approachable it's a very simple movie to get and and, uh, sit down with and it's a a hunt for a robber (laughs) obviously but there is some wonderful depth here going back to Danny Lee Uh, one of my favorite moments other than some quiet moments spread throughout the movie is when I think he's been at a bar where uh, Roy Chung's character has talked down to him, and I think Roy Chung uh, was now together with uh, Danny Lee's ex-girlfriend. So, and uh, it starts there that he doesn't like respond to the taunts at the bar, but he goes back to the station and sits down with evidence again, and uh, and writes a piece of calligraphy. Uh, it's a very nice touch because it, what it says, what he writes and puts on a bulletin board as a kind of a motivator, is the following: What man shall bring justice? If not me, then who? Great visual scene. Like, no words, just really great kind of visual scene. And he, I love the fact, again, he's dealing with kind of pain he might be feeling through his work rather than, you know, getting all emotional about it. It's almost like nothing matters. You know, it's just the job and he kind of buries himself into it. It's, it's very, very nuanced, the film is. You know, I think it's a bit underrated in that fact that it's not all kind of bang on the nose with it. There's a lot of kind of you know, under the surface kind of feelings and emotions going on. Very, very, very well done. And he's not this, he is an obsessed cop, but not this destructive cop necessarily. He, it it seems to lean towards that, but ultimately I think he, um, you know, his sanity is intact, obviously. It's not, uh, as far as I'm concerned anyway, I mean, he he, uh, he doesn't go off the rails and, and what have you. I mean, uh, there's a lot of emotional turmoil, you know, personally and within this uh, case and what have you. But uh, I think uh, the character, Danny Lee's character, um, you know, keeps his head up all, all throughout, essentially. Yeah, it's very much like, like as we are saying, with the kind of interrogation scenes, it's very, they know when to, to cut it off, kind of Danny Lee as an actor, kind of, you know, and, and Kurt Wong's director, they know when to cut it off when it's going to go into the territory of kind of self-parody or, you know, it's too... It's too kind of hard boiled. It's too kind of silly. Uh, you know, he knows when to cut it off, so it feels it's brutal, but it feels real. It doesn't ever go into kind of cartoon territory. Ah, but there's some few moments in the courtroom scene, I suppose. There's some kung fu oh. in the courtroom scene, but yeah. uh, whatever. It's kind of cool. It's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, we, we you know, uh, Fancy One gets to shine a bit um, there. Who he doesn't? I mean, he doesn't have a lot to do during the film in terms of acting moments, but he's there and he's he's a presence, but. There, that that's a real kick-ass scene. It's so exciting as well. I think that for me is when it, it kind of it stops being, you know, it kind of cuts off the uh, the the uh, character study kind of stuff, and then it just 
purely becomes kind of a thriller for the last half an hour or so, and it just it's it's intense. So from that courtroom scene to the chase to the kind of you know finale, it's uh, it's just the excitement after excitement, really, really, really good. It's kind of cool that they managed to have both the uh, island scenario where they shut up the island and then still keep us interested because that's not the entire movie on the island. They obviously arrest him. He tries to flee, and but he's back in Danny's grip and. Then he's in the courtroom and tries to play the courtroom system and get out of it by arguing that uh, uh, police brutality and what have you. And yeah. uh, without spoiling anything, uh, Danny Lee uh, manages to, uh, you know, see Anthony Wong's tongue coming. You know, his uh, his um, his moves coming. And mm. uh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I know. What you're you know, about. you know, the scene involving handwriting, which is obviously it's great, but he's uh, wow, what a super cop he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is. It is all about. I love just kind of like the smile he's got on his face. Like, yeah, yeah, I fucking did that. <laughs> like everyone's looking like, yeah, I did that. I'm on top of really, everything. That <laughs> really, really cool. Really. And before, and like before, like I know we're talking about that courtroom scene, but before that, the scene where Anthony Wong first kind of gets a taste of freedom and there's a chase. There's a really kind of harrowing scene in um, the hospital where, you know, the scene where kind of he's, he's chasing him down and then there's a, he runs into a room where there's an actual you know, surgery going on. Mm-hmm. And then when it's revealed, like, who's getting, you know, operated on, it's very, very dark or very affecting as well. And it's almost like you see that humanistic, you know, there's still not a lot of sympathy for Anthony Wong, but there's that humanistic element to him that he's gone too far. Jeremy, like when, when, he, he uh, when the kids and families kids, involved, yeah, that's yeah. his uh, weakness, and obviously they are using that against him, like uh, playing his, fa- you know, uh, yeah, essentially playing the family card against him. Uh, not only in that scene, but uh, in the confession that he eventually signs um, overall. Uh, but, but very good scene, and uh, that's where you gotta have good actors and uh, involved actors. And uh, Anthony and uh, Danny certainly are uh, involved uh, all the way through, and uh, so. I don't have too much other no- notes other than, uh, you know, if you doubt that Cecilia Yip's uh, character devotion, then, you know, obviously a shot that you see in every trailer with her blasting open a van with a shotgun to rescue her man yes. is, you know, well sold, Cecilia. No timid nature at all. No, like, no kind of recall or anything. Yes, she's just like, boom. Like, and she's glamorous, it. too, you know. Yeah, she's, uh, definitely. And that works. Air, like, air uh, all blown in the wind and stuff like that. Yeah, it's <laughs> fucking hot, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. So, um, yeah, I, I, and, and ultimately, I think, I bet cops would be proud of this movie. Like, to, it would work as a morale boost because uh, without spoiling it throughout the movie they never really are overall outsmarted like continually they're on top of it like the cops we got it I mean it's a dangerous criminal there are deaths in this movie but we got it and I think I think cops would be kind of be you know if they never respected Danny Lee before as the movie cop then this movie would elevate that respect Uh, I would hope so anyway I think so yeah agree 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 uh, so that's really the end of my notes. I just have a few more notes from the commentary, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to to you uh, to say whatever you like if you have any other notes. Yeah, I'm kind of, I'm kind of, you know, for, I've, I've probably got one negative, but I'll firstly speak the positive. The very finale, there's a great uh, bird's eye view shot towards the end of the film, which is uh, looking down on the street. And it pinpoints the location of kind of three sets of characters. 
Again, do you remember the scene I'm talking about? Yeah, it looks like a satellite. It's amazing. Yeah, it's kind of like it's like Google Maps or something. It's, it's <laughs> like it's like we see uh, you have like three sets of characters kind of and it swoops kind of from each section just to kind of again like Kurt Wong, he's you know so good with laying down that geography and not to spoil my opinion on the next film, but he does so right here what he doesn't do in the next film in terms of the geography and kind of making the scene clear and making it concise and knowing where everything is. So because the thing is, it, your excitement and, and that kind of stuff you've you pumped up for, it will drop if you're lost in terms of the geography. Yes. You need to kind of follow where the chase is going, where are they, you know, what's going on, whether it's just, you know, the character mentioning what street they're on, oh, it's what's the name with all the prostitutes. Like, I think <laughs> the Danny Lee's is at one point. And, like, you, you you know where the character's going and where it's all based, and that that shot itself is... Is beautiful and but the only I think the, the very only minor issue I have with the film uh, relates to Roy Chung's role, who you know we haven't we haven't mentioned yet. Um, but I've just very two very minor issues. Uh, firstly, I, I love Roy Chung, but he just gets a bit shafted here. I think the reveal, not spoiling anything about his character, um, you know, it does not pack the slightest bit of punch no. when it's revealed. It, it, he's barely in the film to that point, apart from the scene you mentioned, Ken in the bar. So whilst it could have been a nice twist, it's just more like, oh, okay, so this is happening now. Mm. Um, and secondly, I'm sorry, Danny, but the love triangle between Roy's character, Chu, Anna, uh, who was, it was Lisa's, you know, ex-wife, um, it just did not work in the slightest. Again, it could have been an interesting plot point, but it's glossed over in like two scenes and then it, it's done with. It's not even mentioned again, like near the end of the film as well. It's not really, there's no kind of, uh, you know, cement end to that kind of plot point. It's almost feel like it's dabbled on to maybe throw a bit of kind of emotional emotion into kind of the words. And it's not really touched again. It feels like a waste. I think it could have played more of a hand in the overall drama of the film, but it's not gone down that path, which is fine because we still get, you know, a good ending. We still get good resolution, but I feel like the resolution could be a bit stronger maybe if that he'd gone down the path of those characters that had started but wasn't really finished. Yeah, yeah, the role definitely, I think, is a bit of a waste and shoehorned in. The the the, the beats involving the ex-girlfriend and wife, it, it's interesting on paper, but not as strong as uh, the other elements in the film. I, I mean, I, I appreciated seeing that, like, um, his uh, life uh, with her and they kind of coming together again, but it, it, you're very right. It's uh, not uh, at all approaching the strength that are in the earlier parts of the movie. So um, you're, you're very right. Yeah, it almost feels like it's been cut. It almost feels like kind of a deleted scenes. It almost feels like you bought the, you know, a DVD. There's a Blu-ray or something of it. I feel like it would be on there, like, you know, this 20-minute kind of collection of deleted scenes which revolve around kind of that love triangle. But, you know, we, we can live in hope, maybe. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and it's just that the very last point is that on um, on HKMDB, Loose Coup is listed in the credits as his first film. And, I mean, I didn't see him. Uh, and if you go to the, the, the I didn't know what to look for him. <laughs> if you go and if you go to the image gallery and, and of the portraits, he's not he's not there. Um, so I'm really just if anyone has seen him or anyone spotted him or knows where he is in it or whether it's just kind of an error and someone's put it there. But I would love to see him because I mean it's like, it's like what 94, like a, he's looking like 12 years old. I would really he would love to see him. Would be fairly young. I, I, the youngest I've seen him is in one of the troublesome night movies. I think the first was in like 96 or 97, and, and he looked like yeah he was maybe approaching 
his twenties at that point. Yeah, because I'm sure he was born in like seventy or seventy one or something. Really? I that, think. Really? That yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. I mean, I'm think... thirty four. I was born in seventy nine, dude. So I mean, I, I always thought he was uh, slightly younger than me, but you know. Oh, I mean, it might have been. It might have been. I always thought he was about. He was I, about I don't that, think yeah. he's forty five or anything by now. No, really. I don't think. I don't think he's 49. So what would he be now if he was born in 70? Like, so 80, 90. So, yeah, that would that would make him, like, 40, wouldn't it? 40, 40 something, 40. Yeah, I don't know about that. Then Maybe I am wrong with that then. But maybe he's just, he's, like, 60, and his skin's just amazing. <laughs> like, he's just been, he's just been, like, getting that Nivea, like, just every day, sorting that Nivea out, possibly. I don't know. Being a Star Wars <laughs> geek keeps you young. <laughs> there you go, man. Yeah, because he's yeah. he's a bona fide. Being a handsome fuck, like <laughs> keeps you young. <laughs> looking, like, looking like a bar of chocolate as well. Yeah, he does. He is tanned to shit. What did I see him recently? He was so tanned in it. It was amazing. Guy, <laughs> uh, drug war, like in <laughs> drug war. He's he's just a shade darker than everyone in it. Oh, it was cool. God bless it. It was cool. Absolutely. Uh, all right, we are uh, just have a few more notes. As I said, uh, there is a. Kirk Wong commentary on the film recorded for the Tai Seng US DVD. So I just wanted to throw out some throw out, throw out some notes from it. Uh, this movie was based on a true case. Uh, Kirk Wong got told this story by a cop he befriended who ended up writing the script for this one and the one for Rock and Roll Cop, uh, Lou Bing is his name. Uh, and a lot of authentic details from real life ended up in the movie, including uh, them shooting at actual locations where certain events happened. Although the ending, the very, very ending, was more of a fictional account than uh, something they uh, did for dramatic purposes, if you will. Uh, the OCTV HQ in this movie was shot at a school. Wow, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that's awesome. Is this from the commentary? I need to yeah. listen to this commentary, man. Yeah, I need to listen to this. It's a bit uh, gappy, but overall there's some decent info there. Uh, the stunt where Danny Lee rolls down the last piece of the hill earlier in the film, after, after the whole uh, shootout in slow motion, uh, being an actor and producer, he had seen the stuntman uh, do it, and he wanted it in there too, you know, and no one would say no to the boss, obviously. Uh, so he did the stunt, but ended up cutting himself really, really badly and had to be admitted to hospital. <laughs> and, and it's that what? very last roll down, the very last piece of the onto hill. Onto the path, onto the, from the hill onto the path. Yeah, exactly. And probably caught a rock or something. You know how this uh, free, how these freak accidents happen. So yeah. they, they, I, I say admitted to a hospital, that says to me that he needed stitches, obviously, because uh, the cut was very deep. But uh, there you go. So, um, uh, not that he's a pussy or anything, but it's just so ironic that, okay, sure, it's a simple thing. You know, we can do it and move on, and then shit, we need paramedics. We, we got to stitch up, boss. So, <laughs> so uh, there's apparently this uh, story going on that Danny Lee, uh, uh, Kirk Wong tells this story, and that Danny Lee, not in a totally psychotic way or anything, did occasionally stop at crime scenes to chat with cops because he felt so much like one. Uh, but the story that Kirk Wong tells is, I got the impression that Danny Lee was liked and was not a disturbance. You know, he didn't like crash yeah. Uh, yeah. crime scenes or anything, but he kind of felt um, connected to them. And uh, so it's a cute story in a way. And, uh, so it's not like, I got a gun, I'm, all, I'm on myself with a gun. Like, <laughs> you're arrested. No, I'm a cop. <laughs> he obviously felt a kinship. But did he not train as a cop? Uh, maybe or he went to he did the train and then he became an actor or something like that he, he did so he did send in some kind of application but yeah. never went far at yeah. all actually uh, yeah. for whatever reason 
Yeah, because I think I was reading up on on Law with Two Two Faces, and I think the sort the, the kind of background in that film is that he wanted to kind of get the chance to do the cop stuff, you know, on film. Um, so I think he always wanted to be a cop. So I think I think cops would would yeah, he probably kind of is a bit of a you know hero figure. I think because he's sure. made so many films and he's so awesome in it. I definitely could can see that. Mm, definitely. And uh, finally, uh, Kirk uh, gives uh, Cecilia uh, huge props in terms of how she handled the guns, uh, because they went to a gun range and he saw already there that she's capable. She is not flinching, she's not scared of it, and that could translate to good celluloid, and certainly did. Yeah. The way she handled, handles guns in this one is uh, very admirable. You know, you know, I would be a pussy about it. You know, I would be scared <laughs> of that. Because, because she's not handling a gun, she's got a shotgun. And a big Just a, yeah, yeah. I mean, admittedly, obviously shooting blanks and fake, but it looks uh, pretty damn, um, you know, a big piece of uh, machinery, if you will. A big gun. Yeah, but even if you blank stuff, I bet the recoil on it is just yeah. kind of, you know, like, whoa, like, you know, flying her away. But she holds the ground. It's, it's amazing. Uh, so, so that is it. Uh, I, um, I recommend you, you you listen to it, Tom. Uh, it's uh, as I said, if he if he speaks, it's about for sixty seventy percent of the movie. So just fast forward uh, for a few moments here and there, and uh, it's a short movie anyway. So it's uh, it's cool to have on. Uh, but so as for availability, Whiteside had the DVD rights in Hong Kong, a disc that's now out of print. Uh, it's there's a better chance that you listeners can find the Tai Seng US DVD. It isn't in print, but it is available used and not at high prices if you go to Amazon or what have you. And uh, the advantage to that one is that that has the slight violence cut by the Hong Kong censors in it. Um, for instance, there's a scene where Anthony Wong uh, takes out uh, Cecilia Yip's uh, rapist in their first, like, uh, when they first meet, and he ends up with, like, a bottle in his neck, and the when he pulls out the bottle and the blood spurts, those few seconds are out. Either the entire pull spurt or just the blood spurt. Mm. That's uh, because this was a two movie or two B movie that would have made it a category three movie. And I don't think Danny Lee and Kirk Wong kind of were aiming for mm. a cop thriller to be category three. Uh, so, um, but the, the footage is in the Tyson DVD. And uh, as I said, it features an audio commentary by Kirk Wong in the English, obviously. And uh, uh, there's also a good, very good looking French DVD with no English uh, subtitles. Uh, uh, but it is actually what we watched because there is a custom version out there with added English subtitles to that uh, anamorphic uh, print that the French DVD contains. Uh, so I, I own the Tyson US uh, DVD as well, but uh, I, I prefer to watch uh, this one. It looks uh, pretty, pretty good. I agree. I think, I think that's the one that the way I first saw it was via that, via that Tyson. Yeah, which is a good looking uh, DVD in its own right, uh, but uh, the anamorphic upgrade is uh, highly welcome. So if you don't need subtitles, that um, French DVD, uh, I think you just need to type in OCTB I tried on Amazon.fr, which is the French Amazon, uh, mm. to type in the entire name. Nothing came up other than um, uh, import copies. Uh, so if you just type in OCTB, you will find French um, French uh, DVD. With, uh, uh, so that's it. Organized Crime and Trial Bureau put to bed. We are taking a break, and after that, we are finalizing the Kirk Wong filmography, if you will, uh, in terms of uh, our discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know it's a rock and roll cop so ah, yeah. uh, up a beat and what have you so um i only know rolling stolen beetle <laughs> <laughs> you just sound like a beetle when you say beetle, <laughs> beetle. <laughs> uh but uh, we'll take a break and after that it's a rock and roll cop time so see you after break <laughs> poorest guitar sting <laughs> 
you know, <laughs> you're, like you're, a, you're like an old lady moaning. <laughs> you're not Michael Winslow, that's for sure. <laughs> Definitely not. Welcome back, and the finale is truly at its final, final uh, pieces of final, uh, not pieces, uh, pieces of uh, pesos, pesos. We're, we're, yeah, yeah, we're, Spanish we're, currency. We're, 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 pay, we're paying, uh, we're paying for the finale. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, regardless, where I was going with that. We are reviewing Rock and Roll Cop from 1994 and plot from HKMDB. I, I spliced together two uh, plot summaries, if you will. Uh, Anthony Wong is the Rock and Roll Cop called that because of his love of classic rock music. A streetwise Hong Kong cop who ends up collaborating with some mainland Chinese police led by actor Wu Xingquo from the likes of Green Snake and What Price Survival. Uh, he teams up with him in the investigation of a gang of robbers led by super bad Kai Yurong Guang. Boy, is he ever bad. Uh, so that's uh, simple enough. So Anthony Wong, we could have talked of him in, early in the show, but we picked uh, Cecilia Yip because Anthony Wong is in this movie as well. Not a surprise, because he's one of the hardest working Hong Kong actors out there, and still is. And uh, he's kind of a self-admitted working actor, you know, first and foremost, because he wants to support himself and his family. And the filmography is therefore extensive. It's not filled with gems throughout. Uh, but Anthony is an integral part of several decades of classic Hong Kong cinema. And when he's on, either as a Category 3 psycho or in more subtle roles, he's clearly, uh, that he's clearly more comfortable with, there's few that can rival Anthony Wong. This is true. This is very true. Born to an Australian father and Chinese mother, uh, Wong joined ATV's acting training program in the 80s, uh, and uh, I think so anyway, but he did join, and later enrolled in the Hong Kong Academy for Performing Arts. He was kind of, at this stage of his career, considered more of a Westerner based on his look. But that was kind of odd because he didn't speak much English either. You know, he, you know but uh, his features over the year have grown more Chinese compared to his features in the, in the 80s, if that makes sense. But so he's not considered uh, as much of a Westerner anymore. Uh, he debuted in the Shaw Brothers drama My Name Ain't Susie from 1985 against Pat Ha. And Wong gradually began building his legacy, uh, uh, getting more notice for his villainous personas overall, if you, uh, if you ask someone who Anthony Wong is. And... Uh, Many have therefore seen him in uh, John Woo's Hard Boiled from 1992. Uh, but that's only like the tip of the iceberg, if you will, in terms of uh, Anthony Wong's performances out there. That's the gateway drug. <laughs> it is the gateway drug, and it's hardly at all indicative of uh, what Anthony Wong can do, uh, Hard Boiled. And uh, that, that, there's a reason for that, and I'll, I'll explain why. He won the Hong Kong Film Award for The Untold Story playing the real-life killer that uh, chopped up people and uh, put their meat into buns, meat buns. Bun man. And, and that, bun man, indeed. And that happened for real as well. Uh, he was a mute warrior carrying a kick-ass playing guillotine in the heroic trio that was made the same year or around yeah. the same time. Because uh, his head was shaved in the heroic trio, his head was shaved in the untold story. So on one of the productions, his head was you know, shaved and he kept it for one of the productions. So mm. uh, He's also... You know, 
in a fantastic role if we're talking category three movies again in erotic ghost story two as the god Wu Dong who consumes sex slaves in that movie in a very arty yeah. yeah baby uh, in a very arty category three movie actually it's gorgeous but a lot of fun as well a lot of fun yeah uh, but uh, when Anthony is comfortable it often happens when working with Herman Yao and being in Herman Yao's movies yeah. uh, some of his most memorable work then and now is under the direction of best friend Herman Yao you know they're besties and that was Super comfortable working together professionally as well. We went to the uh, Slipknot gigs together in the uh, in the early 2000s. <laughs> I know Herman's a big fan of the old Slipknot. Well, I see him in the t-shirt. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Herman never appears anywhere. Uh, in you know, he's always got a band t-shirt on and what have yeah, you. So, and, yeah. and his long hair and what have you. Uh, but I, I could imagine that uh, them going to a, a, a concert together. You know, people equal shit. People, good. they're just like both of them just vibing, <laughs> just, vibing. <laughs> just dancing along. <laughs> who do you think would who do you think would start the mosh pit first? Would it be Anthony? Anthony, or would Anthony, it be Anthony, Anthony. Anthony. He would just he just get on it. Like he would be like Herman would be on his about second beer. Anthony would be on his like sixth cocktail, and he would just <laughs> fucking just kick off. It would just <laughs> it would just kick off. He'd be on stage like singing. <laughs> Party animal he is. I was Bun Man. <laughs> but, but their collaboration have uh, been uh, several decades uh, worth of collaborations, including The Untold Story, Taxi Hunter, Copy Image, Ebola Syndrome, and even as recently as The Laughing Gore Turning Point, and even more recently, uh, Ip Man, The Final Fight, where Anthony Wong plays the title role of Ip Man. Uh, very suitable. I haven't seen it uh, yet. Uh, have you? No, not yet. I really want to see it. So I really want to see that take. It's almost like it's not an odd choice. It's just a very different choice to to Donnie Yen. I think it, Eric Eric Sang's in the yes. first, the second one. So yeah, he's, he's yeah. in this one as well. I've seen screen caps uh, of them together. Yeah, definitely see those two together in that. So it'll be soon. And it's gotten good reviews as well. So uh, mm. I, I I like the thought of. Herman Yao and Anthony Wong working together, and I like the thought of uh, Anthony Wong as uh, obviously elder Ip, uh, Ip Man at that point. Yeah, yeah me too, me too. Uh, so uh, I haven't seen any other of the Ip Man movies. I'll probably only see that one, to be honest, because uh, the other ones have not interested me. Uh, maybe the other Herman Yao Ip Man movie after the Final Fight one, if that even will make sense to watch him in that order. I don't know. Oh, the the beginning, the the one without. Um... The one without Anthony Wong. Was yes, that the yes. one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm right, yeah. Okay. Uh, Yumbu, Fancy Wong, and what have you. Wayne. Yeah. Uh, but uh, anyway, he continues to work extensively, uh, Anthony Wong. Uh, and uh, at, at the end of the 90s, he got sick. And he was forced to go on this uh, steroid treatment that made him gain weight. And uh, so he was really, really fat at one point. Yeah, but yeah. one of the more iconic roles at this time, not that... Uh, like the overweight gained, uh, you know, uh, made their performance uh, become elevated or anything. But he was at that state when he uh, acted in one of his most iconic roles at that time. And it was in Gordon Chance and Dante Lamb's cop drama Beast Cops from 1998. Yeah. Alongside Michael Wong, who's great in that movie as well. His his best film, question question mark? Michael's? Yeah. Well, no, Michael, Michael's definitely, I think. And Anthony's, possibly. I, I think it's definitely Michael's for my for my money. I think it's definitely my favorite film of this. Uh, close to Anthony Wong's favorite. Right? I love him more in Anthony that is in his supporting role in Princess D, and he's uh, he plays the father of Edison uh, Chan. He's so relaxed and comfortable and just natural as natural can be. Uh, mm. Not a huge role, but just 
you know, I, I love that stuff when actors are comfortable on screen and not you know, doing a lot. No, not it's not an attention grabber of a role, but man, he's good in that one. Uh, in a movie that's uh, uneven, but uh, it's it's uh, quite a right uh, Princess D. Uh, one of Edison Chan's like uh, best roles as well, out of his three, four actual good roles, if you will. <laughs> Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, um, I, I agree, I do, I mean, I do like when he takes kind of lead or, or co-lead, but he's so good in support, I mean, even, like, like, shitty, like, kind of House of Fury, or, is that, is that what it's called, uh, Stephen, Stephen Tong's, Stephen Tong's film. Stephen Fung's. Stephen Fung's film, it's stuff like that, it's just, uh, you know, he's still, you know, very good in it, um, and is, he, is, he, is he in the, the initial D film as well? I saw five minutes of that and got so bored by the whooshy noises and the fast cars. And Jay Chow. He's the only thing I remember from seeing it, and I don't think I even watched the whole thing, but I think he's he's still quite memorable in it. So it's it's crazy like how yeah, how memorable that lasting impression you can give um, on it and on films dependent of the you know their quality or, or not. Mm-hmm. But the two that you named like definitely like the, you know named Taxi Hunter and, and Beast Cop so. I think those two really kind of stick out in my mind as good. And they're good opposite sides of the spectrum as well. He's kind of manic in, in both of them, but Beast Cop's a bit more restraint, restraint and Taxi Hunter's more kind of, he lets he let him loose a bit when it comes to kind of his acting and, and, and performance. He's terrifying in that. As a vigilante thriller and a damn good one uh, as well. Uh, also, obviously, at the end of the night, this, he, he was um, part of the ensemble cast in uh, Johnny Toe's excellent The Mission, where he, where he plays a hairdresser in that one, so he's very stylish. He's got uh, like a very thin moustache, and uh, few could carry that off uh, well, but Anthony Wong can. So, But you know what I mean about that comfort, that, that comfort yeah. on screen? You, know, you can clearly see when Anthony is... Uh, he he clearly likes being in you know in these like slightly low key roles where uh, and uh, there his presence comes out you know I can I can like him in manic stuff but I like him being comfortable and natural a lot more. Yeah, he's extremely extremely comfortable. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, even stuff I was saying about you infernal affairs and uh, you know stuff like that. He just he he has that. He's obviously you look at his filmography. He has really great roles throughout the career and yet there's a bit you know we wouldn't say shit but there's definitely more kind of unknown more kind of low end stuff in between that because obviously he's a, he's a working actor but he comes out you know every now and again with his really really great just 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 phenomenal kind of low key you know back of the picture performances amazing especially now at the end of the night there's there are a lot a lot of movies because um, medical bills family well that night that like 2000 i think he did about 10 not even that, more than that, 15 films or something yeah. like that. Jeez. I'm, I'm sure it wasn't like uh, he uh, became a rich man doing that either. But uh, no. he put uh, put food on the table and paid his medical bills. So, uh, but the new millennium made, meant more international exposure for Anthony Wong through his award-winning performance in the Infernal Affairs trilogy. I think he won for the first one. Yeah. Uh, he was in The Painted Veil with uh, Naomi Watts and Edward Norton. This is um, a period uh, movie, a war movie oh, of some kind. I've heard about this. I do want to see it. Not really because of the way it sounds, but just because he's, he's in it. Because is it a Holly, Hollywood production? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, I believe. Uh, maybe some, some Chinese money in there, but uh, definitely more Western uh, than uh, purely Chinese. Uh, he played one of the villains, apparently, I haven't seen it, in uh, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, which was uh, peppered with, obviously, Hong Kong talent. I did not know that. He's in The, he's in the Mummy, the, the, with Brendan Fraser, the second the second. Which would be the third one, the one with Jet Li and Michelle Yeoh. Ah, oh, I haven't seen that one. So he's in that as well. Wow, what a cast on that. I, I'm, I'm kind of doubting my research. I'm going to check now, just in case. Oh, he's in it. He plays um, he plays General Yang. 
Shit, that blows, blows my mind that all three of them are in. That's crazy. Isabella Leong as well. So there you go, uh, international exposure galore, if you will. Uh, he continues to make somewhat lesser to even acclaimed performances um, uh, still to this day, and uh, even does voice work. He's one of the, re- the recurring voices in the McDull movies uh, about the little pig McDull. He plays the, this uh, Western uh, teacher, a purely Western teacher, so, uh, teacher although he, he uh, does speak Chinese in the movie. Uh, he's, he is known was known, maybe still is, known to be very outspoken about movies, directors and fellow actors, and even Simon Yam was quoted in Miles Wood's book Cine East, saying Wong is a very angry man. (laughs) 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 Uh, Wong has apparently turned up at the Hong Kong Film Awards as Freddy Krueger, just because. That'll be funny. That'll be funny. Just because, oh, should I wear my blue suit, red suit? No, I'll just go Freddy Krueger. Yep. That would be funny. <laughs> uh, he plays, or at least played, in a local Hong Kong uh, punk rock band. And uh, more widely known in terms of his outspokenness is his uh, dislike of working with uh, John Woo in Hard Boiled. But uh, for me, I always took that as an honest, like, sincere opinion and not him wanting to stir up trouble. Because he, always, he often quotes saying that, uh, says that John Woo doesn't know what acting is and he's quoted an incident on set where they clearly couldn't communicate with each other. Um, and it shows in the movie that he, he's not apparently like present or super intimidating. And uh, I just think it's a case of him not gelling with John Woo and uh, he's not bitter about it or anything, saying that John Woo can go suck a, suck a big one or anything. Yeah, it, it just, you know, it just happens. Sometimes it doesn't work. Yeah, I doubt it's a clash. I suppose more of just kind of this, you know, their working kind of their working methods just didn't match. Yeah, he, he, he likes working with Johnny Toe and Harmony Hour a lot better, and uh, all of that. No, Johnny Toe. <laughs> yes, a little bit, a little bit better, a little bit better. Um, Wong speaks in an interview with uh, Hong Kong Cinemagic that we'll link to that. Uh, falling into acting was an accident. And he essentially never made career plans. Uh, he just went with the flow, even as he got work over and over and over again. And uh, Went with the flow to the extent that he directed twice. Um, two very strange movies called New Tenant and Top Banana Club. Uh, I have no way to explain them. They're very surreal and odd. And uh, the sense of humor is certainly Anthony's. I'm not sure it is actually very, very funny. But they're, they're nice oddities. Especially Top Banana Club just seems like a couple of friends got together, shot some shit. So there you go. Uh, and continues, by the way, to this day to... He says uh, that he, he's not a star and he will never consider himself to be a star. Uh, to Hong Kong legends, Anthony said, because they interviewed him for Beast Cops, their DVD. And he correctly says that I'm not a star. Bruce Lee was a star. Wow. I, su- I suppose it's it's just the humbleness of him and, the, you know, that working method of him is just that he doesn't... He's clearly he's not... I mean, he's got to be somewhat, you know, interested in, in, in movie making, but I think it's just the acting for him and, and just making a book, you know, just, just kind of... Being that working guy and making money, just I suppose, he seems to me like you know family's the most important thing for him, you know, and saying that you know he just needs to kind of support his family and make money for his family, and and that's cool. I, I admire that. I admire that a lot. Yeah, he is very funny and very honest. I know I saw some interview elsewhere where he was saying that I got this movie lined up. It's not very good. He even <laughs> knew before he was going to do it that he wasn't going to be good. What a guy. Uh, but it's like money, food. Yep. Kids, there you go. Wife. That's, that's him. That's yeah, it. And, uh, they interviewed him and Herman for the Ebola Syndrome US DVD, and they're both there. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, Anthony says, uh, first in English, then they do the uh, 
Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He does say it in English fully that uh, I don't remember this movie. I only did it for the money, and then laughs to himself <laughs> because he thinks that you know he likes himself a lot. Anthony does. His humor is his very own, and uh, Herman by by his side. It's an, when seeing her, uh, Anthony like whisper almost like I only did it for the money. Herman cracks up like you read about because that is. Hilarious to him, you know, his friend is hilarious to him. So, the final Kirk Wong movie is Rock and Roll Cop. And first of all, Tom, I'd like a bite-sized opinion from you before we go in-depth on this uh, Kirk Wong movie. Rock and Roll Cop. Um, I'm not a fan, a, bit, uh, a fan as kind of as big as I was for the previous film. Uh, I've got quite a few problems with it. I just feel like it's it's rushed. It's very mean-spirited. And for my, money, for my money's worth, it's it's an inadequate way for Kurt Wong to say goodbye to Hong Kong cinema. Which certainly wasn't the intention, of course. But uh, I agree, it is the end of the Hong Kong filmography, but not the best send-off at all. I mean, it doesn't ruin his reputation. It is it is solid. Partly it's very exciting as an action movie, but it doesn't engage as much as the past one um, uh, but but frankly, it's still about average coming from Hong Kong cinema at this time, you know, because he's still yeah, he's still yeah. a, pretty, a pretty good director, and uh, there are signs here of uh, some uh, pretty solid uh, stuff. But uh, weaknesses, in particular, in the second half. The thing is, this movie is uh, obviously set in the mainland and Hong Kong, and uh, some movies took the language mix uh, seriously, even when they were post-dubbed, meaning that when they were in Hong Kong, Cantonese, when they were on the mainland, Mandarin. Uh, this movie uh, is a full-on Cantonese movie when you listen to that uh, dub of the movie and uh, obviously full-on Mandarin when you listen to that dub of the movie. Uh, Cantonese is preferred in my book, book because Anthony dubs himself. So you have his voice there. Some movies were obviously uh, very thorough uh, when you know, being a Hong Kong and the mainland or Hong Kong or Taiwan set movie that they... Uh, you remember the movie Asian Connection with Danny Lee? Yeah, they, they want that split there. Exactly. It's a uh, uh, sing sound Cantonese when they're in Hong Kong, sing sound uh, Mandarin when they're in uh, Taiwan. So you get a sing sound Danny Lee movie uh, with him uh, doing uh, both the accents, if you will. Yeah. And I, I like that piece of professionalism. It doesn't really matter here. It doesn't uh, bother me at all. It would have been worse if it was partly sing sound. But um, uh, so we watched it in Cantonese because uh, the, we heard Anthony Wong on, on, on obviously on the dub and that. Uh, and I'm pretty sure that the Mandarin dub is uh, definitely not uh, Anthony, probably not the uh, actor Wu Xing Kuo and Carrie M. So um, mm. um, the, the thing is, I mean, it's the end of his career uh, in Hong Kong at, at the moment anyway, and maybe at this time he started to feel some offers and, uh, from uh, elsewhere, from the US, for instance, and uh, maybe he wasn't keen on continuing the string of action movies, um, so this became his last by, like, decision or what have you, and uh, he wanted to find new direction, Kirk Wong, that is, uh, uh, because he certainly wasn't scared at the beginning of his career to mix uh, genres, so eventually this led to his uh, one and only US opportunity uh, when he made the big hit starring uh, Marky Mark. You know, that, that's only theorizing, but uh, it's, um, his heart isn't uh, really into this one, I, I agree, and uh, uh, but but for the first half, I think it works pretty decently. You know, uh, we got uh, it's a basic plot. Uh, we know who's the good guys and the bad guys. How do we know the bad guys are bad? Uh, in the first scene, they kill a cat after being annoyed by the cat for one second. For staring at them, I think the other subtitle is. <laughs> just smashes that fake cat, obviously, against a wall, you know, you know, and so it becomes a bloody pulp. Like, I think those are the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> they clearly aren't. 
the heroes in this and, film. And, and they open in the mainland, and, uh, oh, and for heaven's sake, they feed the cat to the cop that they kill. Yeah, yeah. Like, eat this <laughs> dead cat because the cops <laughs> killed one of their brothers. So, okay, Yurong Guang's guys are psychotic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, it opens with a bang in that regard, you know? Yeah, yeah, it opens with a bang, and obviously it, it clearly defines these guys are good, these guys are bad. Um, and I think, and I think that's really, I mean, that might be the kind of the detriment to the film is that it's the depth that we had in the previous film is completely stripped away here. Yeah, and it's just very much by the numbers, you know, uh, you know, cops and robbers, you know, action elements to it. It's just, it's just not. And th- and the thing is, if this had maybe come before. Um, well, the thing is, even sitting between Crime Story and sitting with an organised Bureau, there would be an odd kind of anomaly still, but I think maybe if this had came before those two, it would be a bit more, you know, not so kind of, uh, not so kind of disappointing, but because it comes after those two films, and the last kind of, in his so-called, I do air quotations, trilogy of, you know, true crime films, mm-hmm. it's very disappointing, um, into it, uh, and I think I really see you know OCTB as uh, OCATB as the you know the finale, the kind of the last film when he's kind of everything worked and it was everything that he'd been doing for the past couple of years and it was all there on the screen. Whereas this, it feels very just cheap and very kind of just um, just just no thought put to it. It's very kind of just by the numbers filmmaking. And it, it, uh, I just checked the release dates, and this did indeed come out after OCTB, yeah. quite a number of months after. So, um, uh, so we'll treat it like the last. I, I mean, for as I said, the first half for me, until it kind of peters out in terms of uh, going from mild interest to almost no interest, uh, the, the first half is I, I like. Uh, stylistically, it works fine. It has, uh, you know, nice neon-like colors. There's a, obviously rain at the beginning of the movie. There's a violent edge to it that uh, I like. And I like also the fact that it, it, it doesn't become a buddy cop comedy. Uh, this is a straight movie where a Hong Kong cop goes to the mainland to, obviously, uh, this uh, hunt needs to go to the mainland. Uh, you know, this uh, case is elongated where, uh, for the main mainland cop, obviously it's been uh, it's been in the works, if you will. He's been uh, suffering for a while, personally and emotionally. So, and two obviously police forces meet are doing things a little bit differently. Uh, for instance, in the mainland, they have uh, they do the paperwork a lot more thoroughly, and Hong Kong cops are more loose. But they never turn it into this wacky comedy that it could have turned into. And I personally think that's a uh, kind of uh, refreshing for, um, for at least the first half, you know, going into it. And uh, uh, But it's also the title of the movie, the English title, almost feels like uh, it's not the main focus of the movie. He set up Anthony Wong as an LP-loving cop, of course. He likes his vinyl, yeah. he likes uh, Deep Purple, he likes Beatles, uh, and he knows about it. But and, and you wonder in the first scene of his in Hong Kong, where if he's undercover selling these yeah. uh, vinyls on the street, I don't think he is. I think he's selling them regardless to make a bit of a buck. He's just looking at. He says he's looking after his friend's store. I think in the subtitles, which it's really, just, okay. yeah, it's just yeah, it's just it's just odd. I just don't see why it starts with that because it's never touched on it again, apart from when he plays with his play guitar at some point in the film. It's just very odd, like, start of the film and why... I wonder what the Chinese title is there for, but uh, still, ro- Rock and Roll Cop is what we got in uh, in English. I mean, I, I like the little 
angle to it that he likes music. That, that's pretty cool. Uh, and uh, his uh, collection gets blown up in this uh, mayhem that ensues. So, like, he's got uh, motivation. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that, that's the kind of the pivot of the whole film. Is you just... blow up my Deep Purple collection. I'll get you with your own guang. Revenge, revenge. But uh, no, it never turns into that. I mean, he's a, a pretty, you know, solid cop and all, all of that uh, as, as a character and what have you. And not this uh, arrogant cop just because he goes into the mainland and, uh, you know, he doesn't bring his uh, big old Hong Kong e- ego in there. You know, he's, uh, he's cool. He's cool. He's kind. He's cool, he's cool but did you find him very likeable, though, Ken? Because I think that's the problem I had. He just didn't... I mean, he's anti one, but it was just almost like he was just sleeping through his performance. There was just nothing there that was kind of... <laughs> grabbed me into him and his uh, and the story and what was going on like I even found you know some of his behaviour just like not particularly likeable I didn't I just could not warm to his character at all the thing that pissed me off is it pissed me off as well and not it wasn't you know that pissed off that I you know threw <laughs> threw threw my laptop out of the air or whatever which again. I was watching it on again threw it onto the Saints Paddy's Day Parade, <laughs> parade yeah, down straight, straight out the window uh, eat this suckers uh, it's just every female in the film is treated like a piece of shit they're yeah. beat up bullied raped it's just there's no and it, it's it's just again i don't know why that kind of that kind of touched me but i think it was because it was so kind of every scene i think the early scenes with with carrie young as well just really got to me as as, as in extremely explosive and that's what we were talking about with the old film with the previous film is that here it just feels like it just feels like bad taste in the mouth and, and she's just forced to drink her own urine and, and she's in the bathroom throwing up and stuff and it's just like what, what am I watching? Like, what is this? What is this about? Like, why is this scene even relevant? There's a whole like ten minute scene where the guy's like forcing to eat ice cubes and smacking her around. It's just like, I, I really don't understand why this scene's in here, Kirk. Like, what's what's this to do with storytelling? The 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 choice I concept wise I understand. Like, it's a they want to be hard edged, uh, and uh, this uh, movie contains you know ruthless villains and what have you. And again, the, the kind of cop angle that you gotta treat uh, ruffians uh, ruthlessly, and uh, even to get information from those barely connected to them, you smack them around. I concept wise, but it doesn't yeah. work because you you do get kind of like okay, that was violent. Yeah, you're doing it again. That was also violent. You're doing it again. You're smacking around her again. You're punching yeah. her. She's getting shot. So it, it, uh, it, um, you know, it doesn't align sort of the elements like in a logical no. sense, you know. And uh, I, I'm not s- certainly squeamish, but there is something about this movie that feels uh, uh, overdone and too intense in terms of the violence against uh, women. And also uh, by that point in the movie, in the second half, if you will, where Kirk Wong and expands on the story and kind of brings in Carrie. Mm. Mm. At that point, it starts to get very much less interesting than it was for me in the very beginning half. So that's why you kind of like this. No, no, that's not interesting. That's not interesting. That's a bit harsh. So that's how I felt. I think the pivotal kind of scene for me, the kind of like the the turnaround for me when I kind of completely lost interest and. I knew that this film was, you know, no, it couldn't be redeemed, but I knew that this film was kind of, yeah, this this kind of sucks. Is the scene, it's the it's the tailing scene where Carrie Young's character's first, not first introduced, but when she get on the train, she's going to meet a uh, um, bad guy, uh, Yu Rong Gong, she's going to meet him, and it's going to be, it's supposed to be this intense scene where they're kind of, they're tracking them down. But why, well, we're not tracking down, they're tailing them. So why even place the conflict of uh, Anthony Wong's character, Hung, why even place the conflict of him leaving? 
it just it, I just don't understand like why would you put that scene there and then the tailing scene because then he gets involved almost accidentally it just adds confusion to the scene when it should be tight it should be exciting the audience is less confused why is there Hong Kong cops now just turning up who are the cops who are the informants who is who in terms of which police force who is contacting uh, you know you were gone at one at one point on his pager in a female voice and i'm just like what's what's going on it's just not it's just not coherent and the, the geography of the scene is all over the place it's just it's very muddled and very kind of you know it's just not cohesive um and that's how the most of the film feels for me just kind of not a lot of planning put into it not a lot of staging put into it and instead of that we're just giving like just heaps of kind of you know violence but without anything to to kind of without a canvas to kind of paint that violence on it's just kind of just throwing paint in the air isn't it and none of it's really sticking it's just okay it's it's quite violent yeah it's a bit you know it's not really doing a lot for me oh that's a bit over the top and then everything else is just kind of bland as hell but that scene in particular it just shot me just how poorly like shot and how poorly kind of thought out it was because the scenes the scenes in the previous film in August Crime and Tribute, the, the last, like, like, the last kind of finale that, the finale, how good is the, it all coming together? How great is, is the geography and how great is hearing that people are here and people are there and you know what's going on. It's like a whirlwind. You get caught up in it, but you know where it's going and it's, it's just kind of speaking to you and it's working for you. Here, yeah, I just, I just don't understand what's going on. Like, why? It just seems like it wasn't thought out properly. It just wasn't, there wasn't a lot of thought put into it when it should have been a good scene and from there on, the rest of the film was completely forgettable for me. I was really getting bored. Yeah, I agree. It's very sporadic. And I mean, I, I can connect to the sporadic moments as individual moments, but th- that doesn't redeem the film. I mean, the the, uh, the violent edge is quite all right. I, I like when he dips into that, but again, it doesn't, uh, you know, make it part of this uh, very compelling whole. Because uh, there, there are signs here of Kirk Wong's staging, you know, Good, good tense scenes, a good tense scenes of stakeout, and uh, when they uh, try to get Yurong Guang in the mainland Chinese cl- club, where Anthony Wong is taking the picture of uh, uh, one of Yurong Guang's uh, other henchmen, it, you know, it, it, that's in the first half, so you know, you okay, uh, we're getting somewhere, we're getting somewhere, there's a hostage situation on the side of the, um, on the highway in the mainland, where uh, Yurong Guang is... Uh, it looks to the cops that Anthony Wong is holding Yurong Guang hostage, but Yurong Guang is actually uh, holding a gun to Anthony Wong. So, okay, we got something there. This is uh, building towards something, hopefully. Uh, I'm not, at this point, I'm not super, super hopeful in an OCTB way, because uh, it's uh, it's something there, but I'm not sure it's going to pull it off. Uh, And ultimately, it peters out, you know, even though there's more sporadic interest in the first half, less so in the second half for me. So it definitely peters out um, uh, after a quick while. Uh, so, um, yeah, I felt I felt the exact same as you. That that was interesting. It was like, oh, you know, this inventive, you know, that, that kind of inventive streak that we've come to know. Kurt Wong is there. This is happening. Like, though, this is interesting. What's going to happen here? But. Again, like just in the part, I think when uh, Anthony Wong's uh, character he steals uh, one of the badges from one of the cops, and I kind of thought, oh, where's this going? Like, wh- what's going to happen here? And again, it's just, it's just, it's wasted because it's like he breaks into the the kind of the the, the, the cop shop uh, to interrogate um, interrogate the, uh, the the female character. I'm not I'm not Carrie Young, but the uh, the other girl that's in it. Um, the singer. Yeah, the singer. But then, uh, up comes the mainland cops anyway, 
And it just feels like, well, that was a wasted scene. Why Why would he break in when the mainland cops were on their way anyway? Wouldn't he just go with the mainland cops to interrogation? Mm-hmm. Like, what? Like, it just, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. Like, it just, and I think because it was so dull, it was just, I could see the, it was highlighting the kind of the, the, the kind of just the, the, the thoughtless, thoughtlessness of it all the more from kind of just, just how kind of dull it was. But again, it's just, it's just, yeah, it just didn't mean anything. And again, the, the, the what I found really weak was, um, was, uh, the mainland cops' relationship with Carrie Young as well. When the oh yeah, that, that was like this, uh, like uh, Carrie Young um, uh, number one redemption story. But number one, all of a sudden, Wu Xing Kuo, uh, it's uh, said that he's had uh, uh, fling with her like ten years ago and what have you. And and that reconnection just doesn't go anywhere. It does just... not go anywhere. And and they, they try to make it. You know, they try to bring the emotion to. It. And obviously, you can see the. I'm going to spoil it because you can see the emotion on the DVD cover. <laughs> and and several of the posters. <laughs> yeah, so you can see, you know, Jimmy, you know I mean? like the emotion, like we know she, she dies, and you can see that's something. I like I'm sorry for anyone that was going to watch it without seeing any promotional material at all, but yeah, she dies, and it, that is so weak source. Like it's just so, like there's nothing here for me. All like, I'm not, uh, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's, it's kind of a waste of uh, good talent, actually. Um, uh, I I like. I mean, we we can actually kind of summarize it. At least I can. Uh, at least it has rewatchability value in terms of its uh, finale. I like the finale. That, uh, but by okay, you're not involved in the drama, but the primal finale where Wu Xingquo obviously is out for revenge uh, uh, against Yu Guang, who's just loving at uh, he's in the he's in like um, the hands of the cops and what have you, but he's not making a case for himself at all. It's like. I killed her and I loved it. I killed so many yeah, people and I yeah. loved it. So the primal nature of the finale, and that goes from obviously the bridge, uh, some more shooting and rolling down a hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, more. Uh, going from this beach where there's a grenade blowing up, blowing, uh, yeah, there's some grenade explosions to this uh, almost market area. Uh, that finale is pretty damn good, actually, as an as an action piece, and uh, I like the primal nature of it. That um, you know, eventually, you know, you know fuck spoilers, you know, eventually, just Wu Quo just blows the brains out of Yurong Guang, just as yeah. you know, ah, you know, die. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very, it's very intense. I'll, I'll give it out. Like you know, you're saying about the rewatchability, it's very kind of intense and very, uh, very gory. So I mean that's cool. That's cool. I mean that's, that's that's good. You you know there's definitely something there. It's not you know bland bland as bland as hell to the bitter end. There is spurts of it, but and he's pretty. He's a pretty good actor. I don't know if you've seen uh, remember him in Green Snake or What Price uh, Survival, the one on Swordsman uh, kind of remake. Um, uh, he's a Taiwanese the... actor. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, I haven't no the only I can't remember going to say the only thing I remember from is uh, accidental spy with uh Oh what was he uh, in that Jackson. as well? Okay, yeah. Uh, for for me also he's the lead in Temptation of a Monk, uh, the the mm. uh, John Chen movie that Clara Law directed is um very very good in that the uh, Wu Xin Quo. And got a got a gambler's return as well. The infamous oh he plays the villain uh, that he plays yeah. the cat <laughs> yeah. He throws the cat out of the window and uh He's the one kind of, but you never see it, that cuts out the fetus out of Chai Fat's wife and places it in a jar for him to watch. <laughs> so mental, I feel this. So like mental. The first five minutes, Wong Jing presents us <laughs> with that. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And that, that was a, that was actually, a, if I remember correctly, that that movie, because I'm not sure it would sing sound, actually mixed Cantonese and Mandarin and, and let Wu Xing Kuo 
be this mainland or Taiwanese villain versus Chiang Fat. So obviously, um, Cantonese speaking, uh, Dawson. Uh, so I like, yeah, you're right. I like him in that one. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, and also at the tail end of it, you never, at the end of Rock and Roll Cop, it never really signals it, but all of a sudden it injects this, uh, hopeful, an uplifting message about cooperation after 1997 between Hong Kong and mainland. Yeah, so, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, really? Oh, what's that the message? That's it. That's, that's okay. what you're going for? Like, they're battling out, like, the whole film, the mainland cops and the Hong Kong cops, but, oh, okay, so that's, that's what you're going for. Okay. okay. Like, <laughs> okay, cool. they smile at each other and then the movie kind of ends. They, uh, oh. the, 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 the Hong Kong, like, the, the, uh, the boss, like, the, um, the, the one who's also in, uh, Crime Story. Will, uh, William, Conrad. uh, William Dunn. Yes, yes. He, he goes out as well trying to fuck, fuck them over at one point. Like, like, and I just thought, like, like that's so weird that like, you go for this kind of angle and at the very end it's just like, oh, no, they need to come together and, and hold hands. It's, it's just it's very odd. Do you know what the subtitles were, like, during the film kind of popped up time to time? There's a part where they asked, kind of, what they, they, everyone kind of puts their hands up and, like, uh, there's passports. And like there's a subtitle on there which is not part of the you know the actual kind of subtitles. It's like a different, like a bigger subtitle. It happens like a couple of times during the film, and I, I wondered. I was like, what does, what's that? Is it like I wondered maybe whether it was possibly like a um, like location? It was just stating the location, but we we already get that. Like that's normally in the the small subtitles. So uh, that's odd. Odd. I didn't I didn't understand what that was about. For some reason, those moments uh, I don't remember them now. To be honest, but uh, oh. you're very right. It could be location. Uh, uh, location. Uh, yeah, so, so we know where, where we are, and they normally they aren't subtitled because subtitle subtitlers only got the audio to subtitle, audio. and therefore yeah. that obviously never 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 became translated. So the biggest qualm when you're watching any film that's that's um, in another language is when they have letters and and posters that aren't subtitled. Mm-hmm. It's like ah <laughs> ah. Yeah, <laughs> Hong Kong cinema never got that uh, foreigners a la anime got and what have you with yeah. like like separate subtitle tracks for just signs sheets and stuff like that i remember some of the old animigo uh videos you actually got inside like booklets like with all the kind of the different japanese um kind of what words meant and the kind of the, the prefixes and, and and stuff like that or the suffixes i should say uh, and stuff like that it's crazy like how how in depth they go with that it's cool but but not that it would have aided a rock and roll cop in, in no in, in, in any way. I don't think I would just say, oh, it's a masterpiece. Now I know that some title said. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, uh. It's worse with movies like Long Arm of the Law, that first uh, uh, crawl that sets up uh, Lam Wise character. Has that ever been subbed? Is that subbed on the blue? Do we know? As far as I know, no. Possibly. Someone let me know if that's subbed on the blue. I would like to know, but I, I doubt it. I doubt. I doubt it. Uh, but uh, th- that's it. I don't have any other notes. No, that's it, man. That's it. That's, uh, yeah, overall, a bit, a bit, a bit disappointing. It was first time watch for me, and overall, it's a bit disappointing. Mm. And as for availability, Ocean Shores had the Hong Kong rights, and it has appeared on VHS, Laserdisc, and DVD in various stages of cut, though. Uh, the rental VHS was Missing Violence. The DVD uh, that was out there is Missing Violence. Really crucial defining moments, including um, uh, Wu Xingquo uh, blowing, blowing the brains out of uh, Yurong Guang. Uh, that, uh, but it has one scene that the laser disc does not. Uh, it's um, it's this scene I think when when the the bad guys are in the lair, they have some prostitute prostitutes in there, and at one point uh, one of the uh, Yurong Guang's the henchmen has a gun uh, between the legs of uh, one of the prostitutes. Uh, it lasts for like a second or two, um, and, and not crucial at all. But that's only on the DVD, not on the laser disc. Uh, but the laser disc is preferable because it's only missing that and. Um, the violence otherwise is intact. Uh, 
and uh, that's what I have the laser disc and what we watched. Uh, why the Ocean Shores Master? Uh, this is not the only case of their masters varying from release to release. Who knows? I think it's just uh, incompetence, to be honest, that they, they mm. ran it through the machine again and someone, uh, for some reason, took out some various stuff and left in other stuff. And for the next release, for a new format uh, or a different format, they put it through the machine again and for some reason someone took out some stuff. There's got to be a complete version of, of it somewhere to, to go out. I mean, the, the LaserDisc is um, as close as we can get, I think. I mean, uh, uh, there was always the rumor that uh, the uh, hand-chopping scene at the end of the movie was intact on some UK television screening. But uh, that footage has... What? Never, yeah, it's apparently been on UK television. Wow, song. okay, that's surprising. But the thing is, I'm, I think that scene looks pretty intact, to be honest, because you've yeah. seen the loose hand and what have you, so... Uh, you just don't see the, the actual chop, do you? you? You see the knife go down and it just pulls apart. So I, I don't think so. There's not like a, a lag or a, an obvious cut there. Exactly. So I didn't feel like I was missing anything there. Yeah. The other scene that I'm talking about, I know kind of where to look for it. So I can say, aha, that was it. But it was not like we missed crucial violence. Like on the DVD, where if you don't see Wu Xin Kuo uh, shoot Yurong Guang, uh, that's kind of... That's kind of shitty because uh, it's supposed to be a defining moment and it's a pretty violent and memorable moment. So, uh, uh, but uh, not impossible to find the laser disc. Yeah, but um, so if you have a player, try and find it. And um, there you go. So, Tom, we're at the end of it, and I we did it with Nam Nai Choi as well. A little summary at the tail end of it. Uh, so um, I thought we'd do the same here. So uh, you know what? I'll I just have a small summary and uh, and I'll let you have the floor after that. So. If looking at his career that we've covered now, I admire anyone taking their first steps in such a skillful way. I mean, we start with the club, which is very solid, uh, but soon thereafter, we had, you know, very creative, odd, non-commercial movies from Kirk, Lifeline Express, Flash Fleecher Kung Fu, and that was before Kirk sat settled in comfortably into this action identity, action thriller mm. identity. And there's nothing weak with either choice, like abandoning the horror aspects of his earlier yeah, movies. Yeah. Uh, it's nothing weak to be labeled as a good director of action and thriller. And uh, even though the project that he, got, that he got in the US, the big hit, was more akin to the studio wanting more John Woo style on the late 90s market, Kirk made a very fun US debut. And... Uh, that's the tail end of my summary, but here's the important bit that you need to listen to, my friends. The big hit we will be talking of in a special Woo! bonus episode released at the same time as you hear this, the finale. That episode will only be on our website, podcastonfire.com. So the big hit starring Marky Mark, we will talk of because I like it. I think it's fun. So much fun. Me too. I'm looking forward to Despite it being very un-Kirk Wong. <laughs> it's probably being very, very weird and very 90s. It's, it's, it's awesome. And there will be plenty of chance for us to uh, look at... I love Marky Mark. I, I, I do. I like him very much. But his acting style is, was, I think, then uh, the same as it is now. If you just <laughs> listen, if you listen to him, if you think of this delivery in Boogie Nights, like, Jack, Jack, I'm ready to go, Jack. I'm ready to fuck, Jack. I can do it, Jack. He's <laughs> like a puppy, like a little puppy. I can do it. <laughs> you, are you comparing his acting style to a puppy wanting to play? <laughs> and his like, style of delivery is the same. I saw the trailer for Gain and Pain or Pain and Gain. Yeah. You can hear it there as well. And I, I, I think he's great. I think Marky Mark is great. But, uh, and 
that's that delivery is still there. His Will Ferrell movie, the other guys. Oh man, it's still, it's still the same, and I love yeah. that movie as well. So, like Jack, Jack, I'm ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> it's when he says, uh, "So coked up in Boogie Nights." Like, uh, oh, like, what is it about Reynolds says that I'm not going to shoot you in the state? What state? I know where I am, Jack. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. Very nice, guys. Uh, Josh loves his. Uh, Josh, a great Lord Josh Arrigo loves uh, Marky Mark for that purpose as well. I know him and his uh, brother or cousin, they are in stitches every time they watch a Marky Mark movie because of that type of delivery. So I'm hoping that is spread out all over the big hit. Uh, my memory is not as uh, quite vague uh, in terms of uh, the Marky Mark uh, nuances. The, nu- the nuances of his acting style, yeah. yeah. The yeah. Lou Diamond Phillips, Christine Applegate, and uh, just a bunch of fun, and a commentary by Kirk Wong on the Blu-ray and DVD. So, uh, so that's it, Tom. Any summary, uh, summary, or summary thoughts on Kirk Wong? I've got two little, two little things I'd like to say. All right. Uh, <laughs> firstly, firstly, um, like now, no, I just think Kurt Wong is an extremely underrated director. Um, and people who are just kind of on the surface of Hong Kong cinema just coming into it, it's definitely going to need to seek out because you have you have top quality crime 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 drama and you know action dramas like Gunman, Crime Story, and what we've been talking about tonight, Organized Crime and Tribal. You also just very very interesting films that are just odd, uh, you know, and. and and health warning and, um, you know, aka Flash Future Kung Fu and Lifeline Express falls into that category. So I think you got the best of both worlds. You're not going to be bored by one of his films, you know, Let's Rock and Roll Cough. The rest, the rest of it's, you know, the rest of, and, you know, and possibly True Colors. But I mean, it's still, you know, they've still got that, that grit there. They've still got that kind of that, that stamp, um, that Kurt Wong stamp. And like, you think he's just an awesome dude. And I think any chance I get, you know, to get commentary. I'm going to get on that commentary tonight, and then obviously the big hit commentary. I'm going to jump on him because I just think he's awesome, and, and especially when he's interviewed. And I think uh, he's just a, just a laid back, relaxed dude that I think enjoys filmmaking. So, and, and uh, he's got a tune, P, uh, sense of honesty as well. Obviously, yeah. he did not like certain aspects of uh, working with Jackie Chan, but uh, he's uh, he never came off as uh, being bitter about it. No, and it's same when we was, he was talking about you know Choi Hawk on on Gunman. Oh, he just, loved that. that. He loved that stuff. He loved that conflict. <laughs> yeah, it's that same thing. Like he's not bitter about it. He was just like you know, yeah, there was conflict, and and, and that's about it. So it is cool. Um, but the second thing I was gonna say. I, I've been doing a bit of research, okay? And uh, I say research, I mean, go on Google, and it's about the second or third link. Six, uh, which is, is you know, I, I would assume return to, you know, Hong Kong cinema is what we thought it was, which is supposed, which we talked, we talked about it a bit, yeah, which was supposed to come out last year, I think, but I found an article on variety.com, um, uh, and it's basically, it's probably better if we just put a link in the uh, description, isn't it, Kenny? But just to kind of, just to sum it up, it's apparently supposed to be a, uh, a co-production, Singapore and Hollywood-based uh, group called Hyde Park, mm-hmm. and they will handle worldwide sales on Kirk Wong's manga-inspired Action of Six. The plot is supposed to be a story for the scientists who create five hybrids by fusing human and animal genes, giving them animal-like capabilities that allows them to fight fiercely. Sounds stupid. <laughs> You remember that it was apparently supposed to be a Five Venoms to do a remake, and then it turned yeah, into oh, Six. Yeah, yeah, Six Venoms, yeah, yeah. And it says, <laughs> well, so Five of them, but it was still called Six. So. It, it said it was shooting in location in China and Louisiana of no, November of 2012. Um, and, uh, yeah, apparently the, the, 
uh, looking at kind of a lot of the kind of riders, they look like kind of one-time riders. I can't find a lot of information on them, but I mean, I've only checked HKMDB, so I think there's probably uh, a bit more details on IMDB. But it just sounds just odd. But I'm just very, I'm, I'm just curious because this this was posted like mid 2012. This article was. It's now what early 2014, 2014, mid 2014. I'm very, very interested. But there's nothing. There's no pictures or or anything else, or just any other kind of information about it. So it's one of those things. It's just very, very odd that there's no information out there about it. One thing we didn't mention, um, and uh, now I'm not going to look it up as such, but I know he directed like a pilot of something that he took his name off. Oh, yeah, it was, that, it was Alan Smithy on it. I can't remember what yeah. that was. So there, there was like a failed pilot or a TV yeah, movie yeah, that he yeah. didn't want to be associated with. And therefore, I kind of didn't want to focus on it too much because it's not, uh, it's literally not a Kirk Wong movie uh, anymore, no. you know, so uh, rife with uh, trouble and what have you. Uh, yeah. Something maybe that Michael J. White was involved with or some, 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 some guy we possibly, I, I don't know. If it's Alan Smithy on it, then the final product is not... Uh, uh, Probably any good at all. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, if Kurt had gone, that's going to suck. Then, you know, it's called it's called, it's called the Disciples in two two thousand. No, I no no what no Ice T is the Sensei in it. Sensei Eva Mendes, James Hyde's in it. What? Wow. Okay. I don't want to do a bonus episode on this one. No, I don't. Do a <laughs> it's, it's got like a one point. Nine on IMDb. <laughs> don't really want to do it. I'm so wondering if it's even out there officially, uh, but uh, you know, who, what, whatevs, whatevs. So, but uh, that, 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 that's uh, kind of the extent of the um, what happens in what happened in his career after the big hit, which was uh, literally like uh, a pretty sizable decent hit even in cinemas. It has proven to be a popular movie and a profitable movie for Sony or Columbia, so he didn't make an ass of himself uh, directing or anything. He uh, he brought in the cash, so apparently uh, no other projects as such other than this uh, Silly Six. <laughs> it sounds like that. It would be called The Silly Six. That's, that's the official title, yeah. The Silly Six. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think he was, he, is that when he, that's when he finished acting as well, around that time, I think, didn't he? I think he, he, he was in something in the early 2000s I was reading about recently, and that was his last acting credit. So I think he must have just, yeah, kind of fell out of the game a bit, but it does happen. Yeah, he's still out there, obviously, being, uh, being interviewed uh, subsequently in the last uh, five, six, five, six, seven years. But uh... he might have just fell out of love with it. You never know. Like, sure. you never know. We, we would, one of the things we'll ask him when we meet him, Ken, mm. which will happen definitely, 100%. And he's point. here right now. <laughs> Kirk! Hey, I'm Kirk, Kirk Wong. <laughs> I want to clarify on what you guys have been saying. <laughs> bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> uh, so, uh, is that your parting thoughts on the, on the Kirk stuff? That's it, that's it, man. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was, that was it. That was, that was the Kirk in a nutshell. There you go. And the director series is done, but obviously ongoing. We've dealt with the filmographies of Nam Nai Choi. We've dealt with the filmography of Kirk Wong. And next up, we are going to extensively talk about the directing career of a big kung fu superstar. No, it's not Bell and Wang Yu. You would have thought so. You would have thought so that it would be Jimmy Wang Yu. That nickname is going to stick now. I loved when you when you made that pull. Like, I was following along in the script. You were talking of Wang Yu, like uh, Bell and Jimmy Wang Yu. <laughs> Off the record. And it's true. Uh, but who we are going to talk about and who seems like an all-around nice guy 
uh, is uh, the following. He uh, is a Kung Fu superstar that ventured into, into directing rather skillfully. He uh, clearly has it in his blood. His, uh, his brother is Derek Yi. His name is David Chang. Kung Fu superstar David Chang's directing career. Not acting career necessarily. Uh, he's a director of 15 films, including a few during his stint at Shaw Brothers. Uh, but he directed in a variety of genres, uh, and it's be- it's become very interesting to look at his movies from the 80s and onwards, where you got genre spoofs, family drama, and action dramas and action movies. Uh, David Chang had some very skills that uh, you know skills in him and good instincts in him, and, in him that I think is worth highlighting all from the beginning up until the end if you will and uh, if we can find all 15 i don't know but uh, uh he was even in a movie with jimmy wang Yu. they made a kind of a one-on swordsman movie together uh which was fun is fun on paper because jimmy wang Yu was the one-on swordsman david chang was in the third one-on swordsman movie called the new one-on swordsman and then they made a movie called one-on swordsmen I think. Men. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the one that was. That going. might have been directed by both of them. <laughs> it's like, I want to direct. No, I want to direct. No, I want to direct. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure Jimmy had a, had a hand in, a hand in that. Because obviously he was, he'd been directing for a few years at this point, and this one, yeah, I'm it's, guessing. Uh, it's 76 or something. It's, that movie's wrong. But David Chang, next up on the directing series, uh, director's series. So, uh, hope you will like that choice and, uh, we'll find, uh, out about some movies you didn't know about and hopefully we will uh, trigger curiosity in you. But, uh, Education! Yes. For you guys, the masses. Uh, but uh, that's it. We uh, are closing off this show with some brief contact information. Podcastonfire.com is where you'll find the director series that you've been listening to. We have plenty of other shows on there as well as bonus episodes. Again, you can go to podcastonfire.com and listen to our discussion on the big hit right now. Just finish this episode up first. But then you can go and listen to it. Uh, only on the, uh, on the website, not on iTunes, on Stitcher, or Stitcher, or any other podcatcher. Uh, so thank you for the support all the way through, if you will. Email us for feedback, podcastonfire at googlemail.com. Like our page on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash POF network. Join the, the discussion group. Uh, follow the link on that site uh, page that I just said, or type in podcastonfire network in the Facebook search box and that will get you the group tweet us twitter.com forward slash podcast on fire my writing Taiwanese movies category free movies uh, cut, and play, cut and paste exploitation Richard Harrison exploitation so good reviews.com sleazykvideo.com is where you'll find the video reviews accompanying all that and I tweet that twitter.com forward slash so good reviews the director series um, as we said it's not ending so therefore it will be available continually on iTunes and uh, leave us a comment and or a star rating if you like the show or leave us an honest thing of some kind on there. A click is a click is uh, more than enough. Uh, we're very appreciative of uh, any any such. So click us, click us, please. We're desperate. <laughs> uh, Stitcher is where you can stream podcasts. Uh, we are on there online. Is uh, one way to listen to us, but the uh, smoother way is to do it. Uh, on your iPhone, iPad, or Android, a free application. And once you're in Stitcher, type in the director series to find the latest or add us to your favorites that way. Stitcher still hasn't given us any money. I, I don't think that's how it works, Tom. <laughs> oh, is that how it works? <laughs> it's not an affiliate program, dude. <laughs> it's just the honor of being on Stitcher. Uh, v Cinema Show has not given you any money, money either. 
Uh, yeah? Did you not know about this? Nope. No, well, now it's you like know. A... Now you know about it. Ten, ten get, pounds per per. Get, getting mad, mad money writing for those guys. My writing's on V Cinema. I write for free because I love those guys, and that is all that is to be said about that. And John knows I love him, and there's a lot of man love going around, and that's why my writing is on there in the form of uh, Sanskrit on there. <laughs> so if you have that. You'll need to translate it on words. So I just, I just, I just want it to be just, just kind of interested on in there. So yeah, so like a Cold War encryption going on here. <laughs> There's Cold War. So you can find that on V Cinema. I'm on Facebook, and you can find my kazoo playing on YouTube. Um, <laughs> Tommy K kazoo. I, I, I don't know on YouTube. There you go. Just I'll, we'll put the link where we can. <laughs> Apparently, sure yeah, it, yeah. Will, it will lead somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh boy, well, the director series on Kirk Wong is done, so uh, I've been uh, Kennedy and uh, with me was Tom KW, so say goodbye for this time, buddy. Bye, guys. See you for the bonus episode. Yeah. What the fuck, Jack? I'm ready. I'm ready to do the bonus <laughs> episode, Jack. I'm ready to do the boner episode, Jack, because he had a boner in the scene. Well, that was his problem, really, in Book Nights. He couldn't get a boner. He was so choked up that... Uh, like, a a lack. He had a lack and of when he got a bonus, that was like, I'm ready to fuck, I'm ready to fuck. He's ready to go, man. Fuck now. Ready to go. Uh, but the mocky mock, God bless you. Uh, but uh, see you next time. Bye, guys.